everyone. Welcome to April 15th, 2018. It's episode 90 of the Fake Nerd Podcast. We're here to talk about the uh, the new Mutants, baby. New Mutants is finally here. It made its first release date. We're here. We're also here to talk about Dark Knight's Metal. The finale of that just happened. We're here to talk about The Rock's Rampage. I hear it's going to make a billion dollars. That's what he's projected to meet. Uh, what else about uh, 2018 do I have on here? Nothing. That's the end of this joke. Hey, guys, we're talking about New Mutants. It's finally out after almost three years. I'm Ryan Leopolis. I'm joined upstairs by Brandon T. McClure. Hello. I'm joined by Ben Magnin in the corner. I'm over here in the corner. And if you're an audio listener, none of that matters. Hello, Sparks Witty. (laughs) Hey, hey, I'm coming from the janky audio of Monterey. Hey, I still hear you. You look great. Everything, Everything is looking peachy to me. Hey, guys, we're talking about a movie that actually finally came out. Can you believe it? No. What? An X-Men movie. Fox is still alive. I wasn't sure what you were doing. Yeah. And I was, because there's a death there's a there's death metal app right now. I was like, it did not come out this week. No, <laughs> yeah. you're right. I should have called did I did they say Dark Knights Metal or did I call it Death Metal? You called it Dark Knights Metal, but I was still confused. Okay, good. I got it right. The joke the joke landed because the finale was that that the same time. Uh hey guys, we're making jokes about the past because we're living in the future. We're talking oh. about new I things. also I also really funnily thought Ryan like misread the episode title as the as the date and was making fun of the typo because it's episode two eighteen. Because you were talking about twenty eighteen. No, 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 I'm saying I thought right. he thought it was a typo. Oh, I see. I thought that was the gag at first. I wrote I wrote this shit down because I knew I would get it wrong. Everything's correct. <laughs> Fact checked it after. I'm gonna um, say it's, like, it's two. It's episode two eighteen, right? Real quickly. Uh, man, we were still doing a podcast when the meetings was supposed to come out. Anyway, um, so real quickly, there are some links in the description below that our audience should check out. Uh, we have our Mandalorian episode for Fakers Watch. The next two episodes are right now. Um, if you're watching the live stream, I'm sorry, but if you're not, then the new old school gamer magazine that Ben Magnet put up is in there. Unless you're watching the live stream, in which case it is not. I'm sorry uh also check out that mandalorian episode for sure because we spent most of the time talking about politics and star wars rather than like nitpicking the show we i think i came away from that like i think that's our best fake nerds watch discussion we've ever had (laughs) i really enjoyed it the juicy stuff you want to you want to listen to yeah hello mag hey mag um and of course ryan's downright annoyed for behind the mask is in the description below heck yeah Talked about a a, a dope ass uh, old school indie movie horror yeah. movie. Movie really rules. Um, so, uh, uh, oh, and I, I didn't want to. I'll go one. Go ahead. One more thing. One more thing. Mike Matola's Impossible Movie Trivia Challenge: The Little Mermaid is in the description below. That was a lot of fun. Check it out. Check out all those links. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Okay. I'm done. Uh, because because we were talking about Mandalorian, I wanted to bring up on the drive to Monterey. Uh, I was listening to an old uh, episode of Waypoints. So Ryan might have heard this already. But um, it was Rob Zachney on there talking about how uh, I forgot about this, that the plot of The Forced Unleashed was around the fact that Palpatine was, he won the war against the Jedi, but he was paranoid that he didn't. And so he created the Rebel Alliance yeah. To uh, lure out Jedi and to uh, uh, create a force that the Empire had to work against and people believe in the Empire. And then it got out of his control uh, and he had to get ahead of it. And I'm like, 
oh my god, that's such good motivation for the original trilogy. I hate that that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, that is really cool. And how like uh, uh, Star Killer, uh, like the Emperor used Star Killer to try to to do this, but it ended up being his downfall in the end. But yeah, that is a really dope idea. Like I need to create my my enemy so it looks like we have something to do. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. Well, just because like yeah, uh, he was. Good. Yeah, it's it just because, like, he was bringing it up in the context of, like, Palpatine, and we've talked about it, too, Palpatine not having good motivation in the original trilogy, like, he's the Empire, Emperor, but what does that mean? And, like, the motivation that he's paranoid he didn't really win is so juicy, and I hate <laughs> that that's not real Star Wars, and I forgot that that's what Force Unleashed was about. Yeah. You know, it's is good. No, is Force good. Unleashed, I actually played a bit of Force, the first Force Unleashed, and then I remember the trailer for Force Unleashed 2, and I heard how short that game was and how much of a middle finger the ending was. It's not just the ending, dude. The, the gameplay sucks. The story sucks. It's, it's rough to get through. I didn't finish it. Yeah, yeah I, I said it before, but I rented that game from Blockbuster, and I beat it in four hours, and I returned it the same day. No, that's the runtime of the game. It's four yeah. hours. You're, the final boss fight is Vader, and it's like, done. Congrats, roll. That's like, final boss. I, I was disappointed. That's a joke. That's DLC. Like, it it's DLC that releases a sequel. I'm playing Spider-Man Miles Morales, and that game is longer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so let's get on with our week. Who wants to go first? I'm not. I'll do okay. it. <laughs> All right. All right, I got a lot to get through, so I went and I go first. Hell yeah. Um, I watched some Christmas stuff this week. Uh, my, my girlfriend's all Christmas, Christmas crazy. She's making Christmas masks. Uh, making... Oh, I am. Yes, I've been wearing the same shirt for three days. Don't tell anyone. Um, anyway, so I'm watching. <laughs> so I watched a couple of, of Christmas movies with her. I watched Jingle Jangle, which is the new Forest Whitaker Christmas movie on Netflix. Uh, Kate Peel. No. Yeah, yeah. Ke uh, Keegan Michael Key. Keegan Michael Key. He's in it. Uh, it. It was. It was good. The music's good, but it was good. And I was kind of hoping to get another Christmas classic because it looked like a really good trailer. Uh, but it was good. And I watched Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. I saw your Instagram story. That's a movie, guys. That is a movie. That is legally a movie. <laughs> um, it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> um, but I saw. I also saw the new Lego Star Wars holiday special uh, on Disney+. Plus. It's only 44 minutes. It's super short. Um I want to talk about a couple things about it, which is that of the sequel trilogy actors, um, none of them are there except for Kelly Marie Tran. And the girl who plays Ray is awful. I don't think she's ever heard uh, Daisy Ridley's voice ever. That's it's, not her fault. That's the casting director. It's so bad. She, her casting director clearly said British. And that was yeah. it. <laughs> it's good enough for a lot of people. Oh, um, it 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 has a lot of the same problems of the sequel trilogy of the sequel trilogy ending Rise of Skywalker, which is that it makes Ray a hardcore Luke Stan. Um, which you know that's Rise of Skywalker for you. Um, and it has this whole thing about time travel, which is strange because it's not time travel that was already established in Star Wars. It's it's a new thing which we talked about when we saw the trailer. Um, but it is Life Day again. The Life Day Life Day has returned to the galaxy, and um, Poe Dameron really wants to make the best tip yip for Chewie's family. 
who returns to the special. Um, the time hopping is really cool. Uh, James Arnold Taylor plays three versions of Obi-Wan and they all say hello there and it made my nerd my nerd heart sing. Um, it was really great. Um, but there is one joke specifically that Luke, young Luke, a new hope Luke, shows up and he helps Ray beat Darth Vader and whatever, but like a new hope Luke, Luke before uh, at the moment of the binary sons. And there's a running gag in the movie that Luke will constantly take out a carton of milk and drink it and have a blue milk mustache and then wipe it away. That's a gag that plays not just five times, not just six times, seven times in its 44 minute runtime. And See, I want, I want to know the dude. What'd you say? It's a golden rule of comedy. It's not threes, it's sevens. I want to know the dude who thought that was the funniest thing. He came up with that and he's like, guys, guys, young Luke needs to have a blue milk mustache. And it, it, like, I just want to know who that guy was. Well, I don't know, right. do, kids, do kids like mustaches? Yeah. What'd you say, Ben? No, isn't Threes and Sevens the Queens of Stone Age song? What? Never mind. You said Threes and Sevens. I thought Queens of Stone Age. I didn't say Threes that. Threes and Sevens is a Queens of the Stone Age song, yes. But I, I don't think... Did I say Threes and Sevens? No, it was... All right. Never mind. Just, just forget I said anything. Go, move, move on. Ben, did you have a stroke? No. <laughs> move along. Move along. Move along. Um, yeah, it, it was it was all right. It is what it is. Um, I watched the Crudes, the original Crudes, for the first time in so in too long, too long. That movie is wonderful. I was sobbing by the end of that movie, the same way I was the first time I saw it seven years ago. Uh, I don't overhype it. I I'm sorry. I don't like overhyping things. You know this, but when I love something, I have to express my love of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I find that movie in, immediately, uh, instantly enjoyable, super funny, super heartwarming, um, and just a tearjerker for me. Again, I apologize, Ryan especially who hasn't seen it, but I apologize for the overhype. Please don't take it. To, please take my my love of it just at face value as just my love of it. I'll I'll tell you, uh, you are the only two people I've ever met in my life who have seen the Crudes, so there's no amount of hype you could do to make me like oh is it gonna be too good like i'm not worried about it i'm sure <laughs> i mean i could vouch it's a good movie no i'm sure i'm sure but like i'm not i'm not worried about it getting overhyped okay. sure good i'm glad because i was worried when i when i wrote this down like oh no i hope i don't overhype it but i yeah. i love that movie so much uh i watched goodwill hunting for the first time uh that's the matt damon ben affleck written film uh that's a good movie so that's that is a classic yeah um, I watched all of Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun. We talked about the trailer a bit ago. Uh, that's the new Netflix special of Auntie Donna. Uh, very funny. I really enjoyed it. Um, there's some really great bits in that one. It's basically just a sketch serialized series, I guess. It's it they they lead to sketches through a bare minimum story, and that's really interesting. It's really interesting and very funny. Uh, so I've been watched. I've been watched the Netflix show. But I spent a large part of the week when I wasn't divulging in Viking shit, watching the YouTube Auntie Auntie Donna stuff, and they are they are the Australian uh, like Tim and Eric and like Eric Andre, like they are batshit just stupid, and I mean that yeah. in the funniest part, like the like just really dumb comedy. There's like they go for it, and I'm like, all right, this either works or it doesn't. I'm like, yeah, this works. Yeah, they're there's really a, they're really funny. Yeah, there's a bit in the mo in the show, not the movie. There's a bit in the show where Ed Helms 
shows up like they're interviewing people on the street and ed helms shows up and he's like guys you've lost the script and like he gets really mad at them and he takes him out to dinner and he's like listen ed we're really sorry and and it's like and ed helms like what wait i'm sorry what are you saying what are you what are you calling me <clears throat> ed helms you think my name is ed guys it's egg <laughs> <laughs> and that's the whole bit <laughs> yeah that's that's yeah a lot of it's really dumb like doesn't make any sense um yeah that's, they're really good i really like yeah. them a lot I, uh, I'm really glad that that exists so I can watch that. Um, I beat Spider-Man PS4, the DLC, for the second time. Uh, I didn't 100% that, that last DLC, though, before I did this, because I didn't know the Into the Spider-Verse Peter B. Parker suit is in that is in that game. So that was cool to find out. Speaking of Into the Spider-Verse, I played Miles Morales. Like, beat it or played it? I'm like 65%. I don't want to beat it yet. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I played a lot of it, but I'm doing the side stuff right now, just kind of having fun being Miles. Mm -hmm. uh, the game's still solid. Uh, the the Into the Spider-Verse suit is awesome. They got some great suits. They got the End suit from the new Marvel The End series. Um, they have a twenty. They made a 2099 suit for Miles, which I thought was super cool. Nice. And it's I got the, the hood for no reason. I love the hood. I have to be 100% honest though. Like once, once like I start using the suit with all the like, like the like the the warping stuff, it's like it's super hard to go back to just a regular suit because this, it's hard to compare. It re some, for some of those, man, it's just hard to compare to like that frame rate thing. It's just so cool. Yeah, that frame rate thing is so cool. Um, but like Ryan said last week, hey, you seen Into the Spider Verse? There you go, Miles Morales. Um, yeah. Like um i watched more of grace and frankie i'm almost done with the series grace and frankie uh jane fonda lily tomlin um i talked about a bit before there's a joke that i want to highlight because it's a very nerd joke and i wanted to say it. i wanted to tell you guys about it and tell our audience about it uh there's a guy in that show who's who is a nerd you know very similar to us and they he needs to jerk off in a cup in a hotel, there's more context to it. But I'm not going to give it to you. Um, he used to jerk off in a, in a cup in a hotel in San Diego during Comic-Con. So he go, so they go to this hotel at Comic-Con, and he's going to get ready to do his thing. And he's getting ready to do it. He's in the bathroom, and he starts hearing these two nerds next door yelling about who the strongest, who the most powerful mutant is. One guy says the Incredible Hulk is the most is the powerful mutant. No. Um, one guy says Jean Grey. Oh, okay. And then he yells from he yells from behind the wall. The our main char our character here. He yells, guys, it's Franklin Richards. And he does this whole thing about Franklin Richards, how powerful Franklin Richards is. And he's like, now shut up and let a guy masturbate. And a guy next door on the other side just goes, Yeah. <laughs> I flipped my lid. I thought it was so funny. <laughs> That's actually very funny and timely for this week. It's very Richards every week too. Oh God, that's right. Yeah, that happened. Um, I started. I started listening to a podcast called Finding Desperado. I've talked about this podcast before when it was called Finding Draga. Um, this is a this is a series, a serialized podcast, kind of a, a mystery podcast. The Finding Drago uh, uh, season. This is season two. The Finding Drago season. I talked about it before, but he, they try to find out who wrote a book. What famous author that they've never heard of wrote a book that is a sequel to Rocky IV about Drago called uh, On Mountains on High. And it's this really crazy, kooky story of trying to figure out who this famous writer is. Is he real? Why haven't we ever heard of him? 
Um, and, and that that journey as a great series, honestly, one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. Um, I, I highly recommend it for anyone who hasn't seen it. Finding Desperado is not quite as good. I don't think they quite captured the magic of the first season, but they're trying to find the, as 2005's Guinness Book of World Records puts it, the youngest filmmaker uh, of a, of a, of a, uh, what's that word? It's not important. It's, um, oh Hello. boy. The In words the escape me. Hello? Professional feature. Okay. Of a professional feature. This guy, Sidney Loy, who was, who had directed this film called Lex the Wonder Dog when he was 13 years old and held the record for, since 1978 of the youngest filmmaker of a professional feature. So they try to find out who this person is. And it's this weird tale of like, again, whether or not this guy is real. Uh, how did he hold the record? Why have we never heard of Lex the Wonder Dog? Everyone from Leonardo DiCaprio to uh, Paul Rise's brother knows who this person is, but they, but nobody, he's not like this famous person. He's famous in Ibiza. It's a really kooky story, once again, of just trying to figure out what this who this character is again highly recommend it these guys are great it's an australian podcast uh you guys should check that out let's see what else i caught up on ten of swords we're gonna do an episode on it uh i will just say the issues i read i didn't love i'm a little sad about it yeah did you so you're all the way caught up i'm two issues behind but i'm okay really far so i thought um i talked about it last week where people weren't so hot on those on those issues. Yeah. I am much hotter on this week's issues than last week's issues. Okay, good. That seems to be for me the one patch where I'm like, maybe, maybe just one or two too many two issues for this event. Yeah. Um, back on board. What some of the some of the things like the the rules are really weird, and I don't yeah, know it's, the point. They don't they don't set you up for it, which I. But we'll talk about it. Yeah, it's 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 it's, yeah. an, uh, it's unexpected where the event goes. Yeah. Um, and then I read the first issue of a new comic book called Barbalian, which is set in the uh, Black Hammer universe. I highly recommend this comic book if you're not reading it. Uh, if you're not reading Black Hammer, Barbalian is a really great place to pick up. This is written by a gay writer um, who really put a lot of heart. Tate Bromble, thank you. I forgot his name. Thanks myself. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> he wrote this uh, series with a lot of heart and really like poured himself into this book. Um, Barb Alien is a gay Martian prince uh, who is stranded on Earth and he can shapeshift. He's basically Martian Manhunter, but gay. Um, and uh, it's really heartfelt, really personal, uh, and wonderfully writ written. I adored it. I can't wait to find out where the rest of the series goes. There's only five issues. Um, let's see. I watched Adventure Time, the new Adventure Time special. Uh, Adventure Time Distant Lands Obsidian there's only two out uh, Bemo and Obsidian Obsidian is by far my favorite um, I really loved it really really loved it um, Sparks I'm assuming you hadn't seen it yet yeah um, this nope. is the Marceline and, and Bubblegum one I was, very, I was very much looking forward to this I love those two characters it's great to see them no spoilers but it's just great to see them be a couple and be allowed to, to be a couple in this cartoon. And it was wonderful to just have them just be that for sure. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, we did stranger things. We did a stranger things drive through. We did. Uh, yes. Brandon, uh, Ryan was originally 
uh, my guest with Megan to the Stranger Things drive into experience, but he had the worky works. Uh, so Brandon and Zara, we were able to get a ticket for Zara um, because they can let they'll let you add people to the car, but they won't let you refund uh, a person in the car, which is a weird thing. Um, so we we added Zara and we all went, and that was a uh, that was a fun, interesting thing. So I'll uh, we'll talk about this because this is I'm one done. of the biggest things I did this week. Um, yeah. I'm done. I'll just spill into my weekend. We're going to talk about Stranger Things. So the drive-in to experience is pretty cool because uh, the the premise of it, think like um, the way people do escape rooms kind of thing. So it's very yeah. themed uh, throughout. And so the morning of your ticketed event, you get an email from the Hawkins High School faculty that says, we're looking forward to having you at the high school reunion tonight. Da, 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 da. All that stuff. Here's how you can tune into the latest updates. It's a radio station that they link you to. Uh, while you are driving, which we did, while you are driving to the event, we'll be on the Hawkins radio station listening to them play music from the 80s and then tell you about things happening in the town that that tie into the events of essentially Stranger Things season three. Um, and then when you pull in, they do this whole like car game thing because it's just a line of cars waiting for their turn to go up and go through the experience. Uh, and that was, that was fun. Uh, and during that time you can like order food to your car and stuff like that. I had scoops of hoy. Yep. And then, uh, and then you go into a giant parking garage that has been turned into these, there are three specific levels. So there's three acts essentially. There's a first act, which has a lot to do with like the Russians and the lab. Uh, set up and Steve and Robin come running through and, and mess up their plans with Dustin uh, helping them. I'll tell you, that was the scariest part of the whole experience. That's because uh, a Russian dude got Brandon by popping up next to the car and scaring Brandon, and he knew he did, so he did it repeatedly throughout <laughs> the uh, the first act whenever he got a chance, and he let yeah. his buddies know. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. so, that, so that was good. Uh, yeah, they're they're like there's Russians patrolling around as uh, Steve and Robin are trying to. There's like in in it's a parking garage, but like they've retrofitted it, so there's like these parts of the lab that are on both sides, and it's creating the portal. Um, and nuts. a demogorgon and a demogorgon comes out and uh, chases the Russians away, uh, and then you have to go through the portal, which is you traveling up towards a bright light and then turning a corner, and you're traveling into the upside down which is recreated with like, uh, you know, fake snow and that kind of thing. Um, and then uh, you kind of pull into this, it's very atmospheric, but you essentially pull into this very tight space and go through a clip reel of the events from seasons one through three, uh, specifically related to Will, and his mm. connection to the, to the Mind Flayer. Um, and then after, with, with a couple of uh, the lab people in hazmat suits going around the cars with flashlights and looking in your car and shit, uh, it's very atmospheric, but it is essentially watching this clip show in this atmosphere. Uh, and then you go up to the top level, and on the top level, they do this weird stage artistic thing where, like, they're recapping the events of the end of season three when Eleven goes into Billy's mind. And let me be real clear here. There is an actor 
that I swear, if you told me it's the actor that played Billy from Stranger Things, I'd say, you right. And we were in the front row. And I'm like, whoever that guy was, because a lot of them don't really look like the kids because they're adults playing the kids, which is super weird and uncomfortable and doesn't really work. Um, <laughs> but like you have a Dustin who's like six foot tall and it's like, no. Um, yeah, but, uh, but Billy, I could have sworn he was the guy. Like he looked spot on. I was amazed. I mean, right. been... Now, now doing? then, now here's what happens when Levin and Billy have the moment where they interact. Like uh, Billy's up there talking to you with the mind flayer voice, and then Eleven comes flying out of a thing in front of him, and they face each other. And it does the moment where she like enters into his headspace, and as it does that, he's also entering into hers. And then you get multiple Elevens from throughout the season run, like going through as they do like this incredible projection stuff that's all across like the roof of a parking garage up a side of the building. And it's this beautiful, like well done, multiple, multiple tiers going all across the roof. Uh, one you like unified image showing you things uh, through the mind flayer experience through 11 uh, going in Billy's mind while physical actors are moving in front of that space. And you'll have like 11 from season one, past 11 from season two and season three, living through these moments. So you'll, at one point, there's a point where Billy and 11 are facing each other uh, in the final showdown. And there are two of them. There's two here and then two further back. So there's a, there's a Billy that looks just like Billy. And then beefy Billy is what I called him because he's, he's much more broad and, uh, <laughs> It was a different look. Um, but they're essentially doing like this abstract art movement of them feeling the emotional space while you're hearing the dialogue from when she she makes him remember the time of the beach and all that. And uh, it's this weird interpretive shit that they're doing in front of these projections. Very interesting. And that's essentially the Stranger Things drive into experience. Um, How long was pretty, it? Uh, about, about an hour. Oh wow, that's long. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Um, you essentially have four stages if you count the Star Court Mall prologue. Um, so it was pretty good. Uh, we had a good time with that. Um, that was that for for like having to come up with an experience that is specifically catered to an audience that has to be sitting in cars. They do a really good job. And I will say, technologically, I was extremely impressed. We, we had a little fumble where they told us the wrong radio station before we got into the garage. So in this part, this like, there's like this intermediary part before you go into the garage after the Starcourt Mall where you're in a holding pattern, but there's supposed to be this plot thing happening with Murray. And we couldn't hear most of it because they put us on the wrong radio station in the transfer. And then they corrected it. <clears throat> but when they corrected it, what I'll say is, it's extraordinarily seamless. Like, however they move through all the moments, however much time they have to take for cars to move along, I can't hear where, like, they're changing into the next act or that kind of stuff. It's It feels like just a fluid audio experience in your car. Uh, I found that incredibly impressive. Um, so it's a cool, it's a cool little thing. Um, some other things I'm going to talk about. Uh, I don't want you to... Sorry, my phone was going to start looking things up based on what I was saying. Um, so uh, I watched, <coughs> I had very little time to do anything because I had two papers due this week. Um, so most of it was based around that. But I did have time to watch It Follows again uh, because I wrote a paper 
uh, analyzing that film, specifically analyzing that film as a story adapting the trope of doppelgangers um, and how it puts its own twist on it and analysis of sexual trauma. Um, so uh, it follows, I haven't watched in probably four or five years. That's a really good movie. Um, I really, really like It Follows. Uh, I made an argument in the paper that I think I stand by, which is that no uh, movie of the horror genre has done as successful a job of recapturing the scary, stalking feeling of Michael Myers in the original Halloween, as well as It Follows has. Uh, and I stand by that. Um, isn't, it, uh, isn't It Follows like one of uh, Matt the Spook Slinger's like, favorite horror movies? Uh, yeah, he liked it so much he he didn't watch it again after theaters until <laughs> like two months ago because it scared him so much the first time. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. No, man, you know, like people... fears. <laughs> what, Ryan? I'll say naked people following you. It's it's mad spooky. I get it. Uh, yeah, uh, fear fear is subjective, and there was a thing in that movie that just really got him. Um, and I I can understand. Um, the other things I had time for this week. Uh, while I was writing my papers, I put um, stuff on the TV just to have noise going on. Uh, I put Dragon Ball on because I just felt like hearing Dragon Ball while I was working on my papers. Um, so I heard through all the way up to Muscle Tower, so deep into the third saga of Dragon Ball. Uh, I just like that show. That show's dupe. That show is just really good. It's really good. Um, speaking of Dragon Ball, uh, Dragon Ball Super had a new chapter come out um it is the second to last chapter for the moro story um this was an interesting chapter that i just want to talk about real quick because first off one thing uh the chapter is titled moro uh consumer of worlds so um (laughs) there you go there's that galactus shit we were talking about uh and the there's a element in it i don't want to say too much about it but um there is an element in it that makes me feel like i was correct in my assessment a while ago that toriyama is going to ultimately not retcon but reinterpret uh his original ending of dragon ball z i don't think that he's going to hold that original ending the exactly the same anymore i think he's going to redo those events and end it differently at this point Mm. um because there's a there is a thing that happens related to Oob, and I'll just say that Oob is a factor in the chapter, uh, and I'm like this. This makes me feel like we're we're addressing we're going to alter the way this plays oh. out. But wait, Sparks, is there yeah. any fear that is going to retcon the end of GT? Uh, no, I, I think you can safely. Uh, sit calmly and be affirmed that Dragon Ball GT exists in a separate timeline that is inconsequential. Um, Thank goodness. <laughs> uh, it was a solid chapter. Um, I, I thought they did a good job with that one. Um, it'll be fun to see where Dragon Ball Super goes next year when this Moro arc is officially over. Uh, the last two things I'm going to talk about is we watch Mandalorian. It was a fantastic conversation. Go check it out. Um, Link in the description. And and the last thing is, I did have time to finish the show Killing Eve with Megan. Uh, I'm going to talk about it for a bit because I'm probably not going to talk about it again for at least a year because this season just ended uh, and we're in COVID time. So um, this show can be so freaking good sometimes. 
and it can also be really frustrating. Um, the first season is absolutely incredible, and the second and third seasons are pretty darn good. And I realized that what it is is um, Sandra O's character of Eve is hard to justify her her irresponsibility and recklessness. And uh, these are based off books, and I learned that the books are from Villanelle's perspective, who is the assassin. And uh, suddenly it started to make sense why uh, Eve is a difficult character for them to translate. Um, I've made comparisons to this being like the Hannibal show. I firmly stand by that. The third season absolutely cemented uh, that this is a show. Um, this is not, it's called Killing Eve, but this is not a show about Killing Eve. This is a show about uh, uh, a a female assassin uh, absolutely destroying uh, the world around an MI6 task force agent until she loves her um, and it working. <laughs> and uh, it is a lesbian love story. And this is not like a, if you watched Hannibal on NBC by season three, you can kind of see how there's like allusions to a homosexual relationship between Will and Hannibal. Um, it's definitely there, but they are undertones. Uh, uh, Villanelle from season one is overt that she is romantically attracted to Eve and she's after her in that way. And Eve is a character who gets frustrating because she is doing things that 100% say she's into it and yet denying that she ever does those things. And finally in season three, it is like out and out, okay, these two are attracted to each other. It is sexual, it is romantic, it is uh, disturbing to them, but it is happening. Um, and I really appreciated that season three, like actually said, no, 100%, like this is, th we're, this is not metaphor or, or like an illusion of, oh, isn't she so beautiful? I'm seduced by, by the work of chasing her. No, she is attracted to this assassin. Uh, <laughs> and it has caused her, it has caused them both, to be fair, Villanelle, and by the end of this season, she has also essentially destroyed large parts of her world, too, in order to get Eve. Uh, and so they both kind of have just ruined everything else in their lives until all they have left is each other. Uh, and in that way, it is very beautiful. Um, season two is a rough patch, but season three finally ended with this, uh, this strong moment between the two of them with connection where I'm like, okay, I think season four is finally the show. I'm really just going to be like, oh, we're just going to go for it. They're just going to be like killing people and doing it. And I'm into it. <laughs> here's, be killing Eve. here's my one other problem with the show. Okay. There are fantastic actors on the show. Uh, Fiona Shaw is giving the performance of her life, in my opinion, on the show. That's uh, Aunt Petunia from the Harry Potter films. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, she's giving the performance of her life on this show. Um, specifically this season, she has a very strong character arc. Um, I forget the actor's name, uh, but the um, the sister who becomes the queen of the the Isles in Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, oh, who Yara. Uh, yeah, yes, no, Yara. Uh, she comes in this season because she's playing Fiona Shaw's daughter, and she has a really great part. Um, and that they just have a great character. So characterization is fantastic across the board on the show, even when Eve is probably the most frustrating because she just will not acknowledge what's happening to her emotionally. Um, that being said, if you ask me what the MI6 task force has been doing since season one ended, I could not tell you. 
I do not know what the goal is anymore. I haven't known for a while. <laughs> um, it is not good at making it clear why certain characters are doing the things for their job or organizations or whatever that they are working for. It is just character moments that are happening in relation to it. And somehow the show pulls it off because you only care about the character beats anyway. It doesn't really matter, but I do find it striking that I'm like, I am two seasons into it, uh, two seasons further into a show with no context of why they're doing things that they're doing. Not really, not in the semantics of why they're doing it for their job. I just know they're doing it things because of character beats, but I do not know what the what the actual uh, operation and goal is for the people that they work for anymore. I have no clue. Uh, and that is a very weird way to be. <laughs> so Killing it's, it Eve, all like, the seasons are on Hulu. It's really good. It sounds like like a lot of shows where, where it's dealing with like the personal drama and like the background stuff. It's like, oh, it's not important. But it sounds like all that stuff is important, <laughs> which is weird. So it's... So it's not that it's not even that it's important. It's just like it wouldn't be a big deal, except the characters still regularly will go back to like the MI6 building, and I and I'll watch them have character-based conversations here. But I'll be like, yeah, but why are we doing it in this building? What is your job anymore? How have you not lost this job? <laughs> like it, it, that's where it gets to. And it's like I ultimately don't care because the character stuff happening here is great. Yes, that's my week. Ben? Yeah, I'll go next. Um, my, my week is pretty much uh, mostly still moving stuff. Uh, however, whatever, I did get some media, and one of the media things I want to talk to you guys right off the bat is Batman Three Jokers. I finally finished it this week, and boy, do I have some words about it, because I was expecting a whole lot more, and after reading that third and final issue, I... Very unsatisfying. Uh, no, I still have not read uh, that third issue. Um, okay. I I feel like there are some things that I'm going to let you say what you want to say, Ben. But I I do feel like I'm probably going to not that I would 100% agree with everything, but that I knew from the moment that book one ended, there was no way that two more books were going to give me a satisfying ending. Okay. I just knew that there was no way this story ended in a way where I felt like. This was a worthwhile full journey. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was if there was one good thing that I kind of liked in book three, but once again, you haven't read book three, so I can't I'm I can't really explain much about it. But the one thing I really just did not like in book two. So spoilers for book two of uh, Batman Three Jokers. If whoever if whoever's watching or listening to this, they haven't read it yet, is when Jason kissed Barbara. It's like really. Did, Really? I mean, thankfully, she's like, nope, shouldn't have done that. Mistake. Bad. Mm -mm, mm -mm, not going there. But then you can tell, like, Jason's kind of like, was it, though? It's like, no, no, god damn it, no, we don't need it. Because at first, like, having having the three Jokers focus on Batman, Batgirl, and Robins, like, who has the Joker hurt the most in the entire mythos of Batman? Batman, Batgirl, and Red Hood. He has hurt those three the most. It's like, yes, let's focus on them. Let's do that. Don't give me this intro. Just, just know there's only one Robin that Bob that Barbara likes, and that is Dick Grayson. God damn it. Well, that's debatable it. considering Starfire probably been with Dick Grayson longer, but I'm True. a Barbara and Dick person too. Yeah, they were and together a very long time. It's just as canon as Starfire. Uh, yeah. it, uh I don't need to go into, into it anymore. I, I, okay. uh, I, I will give Doomsday Clock a pass. Uh, I will not give this book a pass. Yeah. I think. 
the the idea itself uh, from the get go was underutilized. Like I feel like the promise of the five five years ago is like this is really this is really what you wanted to tell. This is honestly what you wanted to tell for five years. I don't believe that. I really yeah. don't believe that. Like, that's really the case. And like I'm glad I'm kind of done with Jeff Johns as a writer. Um, yeah, it, a lot issue one bothered me so much with how much it wanted to focus on. Wow, remember Barbara got shot in the back, and remember she's such a, she her legs are so strong she destroyed a treadmill. Whoa, this is the second treadmill this week. And then I was like, wow, okay, cool. Yeah, that's where we're going with this. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't think it's well written. Uh, it's probably the best art of the year, to be honest. Like truly, yeah. Jason Fabok is like a uh, 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 revelation. Um, yeah. I like, think issue three is hilarious, and I think the plot of with the character that I just think it's very bad. I think it's very bad. I feel that it's a cop out. It's uh, like because when we get to that, that the last page, the last page, the last revelation of this book. It just, I feel like it just undermines something that was great, that was a driving force for a certain character. And then it's like, well, shit. And Don't worry, like, we have a we have a we have a we have one more issue possibly coming out. They'll fix everything. Is that true? That I was the rumor. No, oh, what really? No, yeah, like yeah, there's like a possibly follow-up, uh, uh like oh, one shot. Yeah. Oh, great! A one-shot follow-up. That mm, no, no. What do you mean? One shot's plenty of time to, to solve uh, that issue. But yeah. Go ahead, Ben. No, it's just that three. I haven't. I mean, I've been bummed out by John's writing before. I've. It, it's weird because when you say when some when someone says like, when he said I'm going to do something called Three Jokers, my mom's like, he's perfect for the job. He knows his shit. He's got this. Doomsday. Well, he's the guy who. It's he's the guy who made the idea. Yeah. It's not like it's not like he's stealing someone's idea. It was his idea well, in the first place. Well, he's one. He's that because when you say Jeff Johns, he's high up there on the totem pole of DC Comics. Like a yeah. lot of stuff he has written has been really, really good shit. I mean, even his stuff that isn't the best, it's still some pretty damn good stuff. And then to get this final product, it's like after I was done reading the book, I thought to myself, I was like, you know what? I'm really bummed I had to give Johns my money. But at the same time, I'm glad I gave Fabot my money because goddamn, that's the, the biggest saving grace of this book is the art. The story, fuck it. The art, glorious. I'm going to start keeping track of the F bombs. Sorry. Um, <laughs> that was uh, the first one. I, again, like I didn't read the third one, but I will say, like, I wasn't as struck negatively by the by the jason and barbara kiss as as you're you're saying and i'll and i'll say that and it, that might be a i've read plenty of bat girl and but i haven't read uh much jason todd stuff um like like not a lot of reading uh most of my jason todd knowledge comes from games shows movies uh you know all, all that stuff Sometimes so to me shows. um so to me it felt like a uh, a bond crafted in a moment between two people who have been victims tortured by the same man. Mm-hmm. And in that moment of bonded trauma, it didn't bother like it if it had been a kiss that led to something more, like a sexual uh, engagement, I'd get it. But because it was this kiss, like this this moment of of bond and pain, uh, and then Barbara said, no, 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 no. Uh, that didn't bother me when I read it. Um, 
So I'll speak to that. Like, I get it. I get why it would. Uh, it just didn't when I read it. I, I felt like this is a, this doesn't bother me that I feel like it is saying when, when Batman three Jokers is at its best, in my opinion, is when it is a story exploring the trauma of what the Joker has actually done to these people, because it's something that doesn't get addressed enough. How much he has reaped that kind of pain on those characters. Uh, and, and though I wish it did it more and for a longer term to actually go deep on that, what I like most about it is that idea of we are characters who have not addressed that we have a shared trauma attached to this character. I I hear what you're saying, but I know you haven't read book three and really just pounds it into that's the nail in the coffin for me. There's a, there's a straight up cop out like, yeah. It is a straight up, like, yeah, even when I want to spoil it, but I'm like, okay, so like, clearly you're leaving this open for whatever writer wants to do. If this possibly in the future, I'm like, that's not, that's not even giving us a definitive answer. That's just a cop out. Like, it's not, I I really want to talk about that bit in detail, but it's, it's a spoiler. I don't want to spoil it for Sparks. So I'm sure Sparks will bring it up when he he reads it. One last thing. Um, Hey guys, you know, who doesn't like this book? Um, Red Hood fans. Uh, We are not Red Hood fans. Uh, I haven't I read a Red Hood book since my book club, which was like almost 15 years ago. Um, Dude, so Red Hood, after 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 learning, because uh, uh, you know, going down the Twitter rabbit hole of Three Jokers, um, Red Hood has gone through such a change that none of us have seen, which isn't which isn't on us to know. You know, like we're not reading the book, like that's that's fine. But the problem is, Three Jokers basically it basically erases everything that's not the killing joke in terms of Batman, Bat family canon. And Jason Todd has had such an arc over the last 10 years, whether we like Scott Lovedell or not, he was on the book for 10 years and that character had an arc. Jason Todd doesn't kill people anymore. He hasn't killed people for years. And like for people who love Jason Todd, this book is just a direct like, yo, you clearly have not cared about, you just wanted to use Jason Todd because he's the guy who kills. He's the Batman who kills. Because that's all, that's the only thing people know about the uh, Red Hood who haven't read his books. And this just very much feels like a book of like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tell my Killing Joke sequel and if people care about it, it'll be used in something later. And if not, then it just wipe my hands of it. And I just, Sparks? that's, I don't, I don't like it. What are you gonna say, Sparks? Uh, yeah, no, I, I can totally get that, which is why I kind of want to preface with, like, I'm not familiar with that character. To me, this tracks, uh, from yeah. my limited knowledge of who he was to, to this moment, tracks. Yeah. And I fe- and I, I'd even agree with that, and I'd say, like, this is a book written for people who that's their knowledge. It's not for people who have read, been reading Red Hood. It is it's meant to be your limited knowledge of you coming to this. Joke. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, which, which is part of my problem with Batman three jokers is that it's something that refuses to define itself as not existing in the main continuity. Because if this weren't, that was one of my things is like from the get go, if you told me this is not main continuity storytelling, then I'd be like, cool. That means there can be a buckshot wild, satisfying answer to this question. Mm -hmm. But because it is still dabbling in mainline continuity, it, it makes it feel like it's only paying tribute to certain stories and there's no possible way you can you can end this in a satisfying way that works in the continuity of the DC universe. I can't I couldn't see it at book one. From what I hear, it didn't happen, and I'm not surprised. Uh, Brandon and I even talked about this that that it was a problem the way it existed in wants to exist in its main continuity, but it's like how possibly can it without it being 
relevant? Uh, how can that be true? These, it's like the two things are constantly in contradiction of each other. Um, this is going to be a very emotional and impactful story about uh, the existence of three Jokers and the trauma that the Joker has reaped on these characters, but it also means nothing really to anyone who doesn't want to write more about it. And it's like, those two things can't be true. Uh, you either have to be making a massive change with these characters that's relevant or it doesn't exist in that continuity. Uh, and, and I feel like that's the heart of the problem with three jokers. God. And I thought of a freaking uh, parody line. You either lose your job as a great writer or live long enough to see yourself become mediocre. I think I think this book is mediocre. I, I still wouldn't call Jeff Johns me, mediocre. Yeah, I, I'm well, sure the guy can tell him, you know, tell me if that's if he's mediocre. That's no, the last book. Yeah, yeah. This book, uh, this book still, as much as I did not like uh, Batman Three Jokers, um, I still like Jeff Johns as a writer as a whole. I mean, this is probably gonna be that one big blemish on his record. I mean, that, that's really all I have to say about uh, Batman 3 Jokers. As far as once you read book three, I'll probably dive into it a little bit more. But sure. on a more positive note, I'm still knee-deep into My Hero Academia. I'm on I'm right in the middle of season four, so woohoo. Uh, haven't watched Yashihime yet, so I'm not caught up on that. But I did watch the first new episode of Animaniacs, the brand oh, new season yeah. on Hulu. I really liked it. I actually thought it was pretty damn funny. They, uh, I, people are, I hear people are mixed on it on the internet. Some I people, saw some people I, like my, it, some people don't. My people loved it. They love to they love to make fun of Zack Snyder, so they, they immediately love it. <laughs> yeah, they, there's multiple like BVS jokes in that first episode. So I'm immediately really? like, all right, cool, I'm I'm in. I'm oh, yeah, we'll I'm talk in. about Zack Snyder later on in the episode. Oh Lord. Yeah, besides yeah, besides that, um that's the pretty much that's the only media I really consumed was just watching My Hero Academia, um Mandalorian. We did that this week. Woo! Link in the description. Link in the Ryan? description. Yeah, that's it. What up? Do it, Ryan. Hey, guys. Drop some thick beats. Uh, I spent all of my time in 9th century England, you guys. And I'm not joking. I only spent my time in 9th century England this week. I watched two episodes of Vikings. I watched an entire season of The Last Kingdom. And I put about 10 hours into Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So I'm going to talk about those in a certain order because it actually goes in a timeline in a funny way. So Vikings... Vikings is the television show created by the History Channel. It's one of their first shows that they created themselves. Um, and it's actually, it's very violent and it's like, it's, it's, it's rated R for mature or whatever. Um, but it's about Ragnar Lothbrok, who is the, the, the big chieftain of the Vikings who kind of gathers all the, the tribes together and goes over to England to do the Great Saxon War of, of, 18, of, 18, of 863, right? So I've only watched two episodes of that because uh, I was on Netflix just scrolling around. And then I saw The Last Kingdom, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is also a show about Vikings. I'm going to click play and see how it is. Holy shit, guys, I watched that whole season in like three days. That show's incredible. I've never heard of it. Uh, it's a BBC um, HBO or a BBC Netflix like co-op show, but um, that is about, that is also about the Viking invasion of, of the Saxons in 863, but it's about a little kid who was an Englishman who gets, uh, he gets um, kidnapped by the Vikings. And then the Vikings end up liking him, and he ends up staying with them. So I, I think this show's incredible. I just want to talk about a couple scenes that like really, that really blew my mind, because um, that's all I watched this week. So the beginning of the show, the first 45 minutes, it's about uh, the Vikings coming over, 
And it's about Uhtred, this little kid Uhtred, and how his father, the king, gets killed, and he gets kidnapped by the Vikings. And um, he's going to get sold off back to the England. He's like, hey, we kidnapped you, Cater. We're going to sell you back for lots of money. But it turns out Ragnar, because, because it's Ragnar we're talking about, Ragnar Lothbrok, he's the guy who kidnapped him. He's like, listen, I actually like you a lot, so we're just going to buy you off, and you're going to be my new son. And he's like, well, that's weird and cool. He's like, cool. So um, it's and like 45 minutes into the episode, he's like, you're my son now. And he throws them into the river um, as like a joke. And I'm like, oh, it's like a nice bonding moment. Ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, okay, cool. This show is four seasons long. This show is going to be about, uh, about Uhtred growing up as a Viking, right? He falls into the water. When he comes back up, he's a grown man. And it's like 20 years later. And I'm like, oh, cinema. Oh, God. It's, not, it's so good. And I, I did not know what the show was about because I literally never heard anything about it. And it's actually about Uhtred, who was once an Englishman trying to get back his land from his dead king father while also trying to appease his Viking family. So he's a man caught between both worlds. And it's awesome, you guys. And it's so well written and it's so well acted. It's tons of like European and English actors I don't know anything about. Uh, it's got that super good Game of Thrones uh, uh, a quality to it where it's like really good political shit. Let me tell you about a couple of scenes that blew my mind. That first scene blew my mind. There's another one. There's another one. I got Ghost Shields. I wrote down Ghost Shields. So uh, Uhtred, his name is Uhtred, son of Uhtred. And every episode begins like a CW flash episode, and I hate it. And it's really bad. He's like, my name is Uhtred, son of Uhtred, and I was a Dane, and now I am a Saxon. And I'm like, this is bad, you guys. But anyway, he, Uhtred is part of the Englishman, and he goes and he kills this Viking lord, right? And he's all by himself, and he's surrounded by all these Vikings. And it's him, and he just killed this Viking overlord. And he's freaking out. And all the Vikings are like starting to slowly pull their swords out and surround him. So he starts backing up into the forest. That's pure black darkness. And out of the shadows, a bunch of shields come out of the shadows and surround him. And it's like, no mercy. And it's all the Englishmen coming to save him. And it's like a Game of Thrones moment. And I'm just like, cinema. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, it's so good. Oh, it's so good, you guys. Um, end of negotiations. There's a shithole. Sorry, Brandon from the Baker podcast. Go. Coincidentally, that's how I felt watching the Croods. Cinema. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, like, man, those moments where it's like it hasn't happened in a while, but I'm like, oh my god, yeah, movies and TV shows and shit. But um, there's this king uh, who got killed, and he has a shitty little son who did not get to become king afterwards. The king's brother became the king. So this little shithole, he goes to the Vikings, and he's like, I'm the new, I'm the actual king. I'll negotiate with you if you let me be king and stuff. And he puts like the dead king's uh, crown on. So the Viking lord goes up to him and he's like, do you want to negotiate? And he takes off the crown, end of negotiations, and just walks away. And it's just like the most baller moment I've ever seen in my life. Because like these Vikings are super badass. And the kid's just like, oh, shucks, that sucks. And I'm just like, oh, it's so good. Um, the last thing, their god is with them. Right. So at the end of the season, um, the Vikings are losing this battle. And this one Viking, um, he's a pagan, but over the season, he's seen that that uh, that people are Christians. And he's like, maybe there's something to this Christianity. And, and this Viking lord, as he's losing this battle, uh, his general comes up. He's like, Viking man, what do we do? And he's like, their God is with them. He's like, excuse me? He's like, their God's with them. We've lost. And that's and he that's when he realized he he now believes in the god that they believe in, and now he thinks that he's going to lose because of their god. And it's like it's just like this character reveal of this pagan be believing in God now, and now he's going to lose because of the god of might. And I'm like, that's not real. You're, you're a sucky military general, whatever. But I'm just like, it's a really powerful moment of faith. And the thing that the show does so well is 
the, the closest to the show I can think of is like Game of Thrones for for Ben and Sparks. Like you have these kings who are super personable and they have like these these giant personalities and they're super smart. But there's just something about knowing all these people were real and the real King Alfred of Wessex was this brilliant strategist and the things he did. And it's like, man, this is really cool, guys. You know, history is pretty cool. Um, and I'm just like, I'm just, I'm, I'm so into it. And it's, I got to thank Assassin's Creed, which is what goes me into that. The the Viking invasion of 863, you are Eivor going over with Ragnar to take over the take over England. And I'm just like, guys, Vikings are so cool. I never cared about Vikings before. And now I'm like, I'm like 16 hours in this week of Viking shit. Uh, it's great. Uh, the Last Kingdom, truly, The Last Kingdom is an excellent show. If you want a good political, like medieval show, uh, it's 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 beautiful. It's fantastic. That's that's it. I read some comics, but next swords, baby. I I love whenever anything catches you so deeply that you have to like. I gotta go hard on this on this in a vibe. <laughs> I gotta find everything that I can that like just yeah. feeds this. I love when that happens. That's awesome. It's 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 just because like Rag, Ragnar Lothbrok, who who was a real person, but like he, he he's a person of, of legacy and like myth. Like how much he actually did is up to debate, but he really did go with a bunch of Vikings and beat the shit out of some Englishmen. And like that really happened. And just like his legacy grows over time. I'm like, that's really cool. That like, that really did happen. And like, it's something like Hercules or like King Arthur, but like, you know, there was various, like maybe things like that existed, but like, no, King, King Alfred existed and Lothar existed. And they were, it's just something like, you know, man, we're not going to have any badass Viking warriors anymore. We're all like behind desks and like we shoot drones and like old medieval warfare is gone. And thank God, because that was terrible. Uh, but it's way cooler than modern warfare. Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> you almost sounded like you were hearkening back to the old days of medieval warfare. Yeah, hark. Yes. Um, for Used real though, like, the, war. the Viking, like the Viking actors who they got for, for the last kingdom are some of the most like the most insane fun uh, 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 actors I've ever seen and like just people being batshit crazy just loving loving being pagans and being murderers and it's like yo baby we're also really smart and we're good at we're good at uh, uh, we're good at army like uh, stuff and I'm like yeah I mean, this is cool it shows both sides of, of, of the battle so like uh, there's shitty people and good people on both sides it's uh, The Last Kingdom is a excellent show alright so, so that'll do it for the episode good night guys no I'm kidding yeah. Um, uh, when I was moving to our bread and butter, don't worry, guys. We'll get some new mutants soon. We have some B and B to get through. A right, quick side note, Ryan. Now that you mentioned Vikings, there's a really good Sabaton song I want to share with you called "Swedish Pagans." It's all about Viking shit. Sabaton is awesome. Sabaton is rad. I love Sabaton. And here's your bread and your butter. Okay, okay, not in my ear, thank you. All right, we got some sad news to talk about. So lower the mood, guys, lower the mood. Let's talk about some sad stuff. Let's vibe a bit. Let's, you know, let's take this in. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> Michael Z. Hobson actually passed away today. We just found out Marvel Entertainment put out a tweet announcing the passing of their former Marvel Comics uh, executive vice president. He passed away this week at the age of 83. Oh, yeah. He was with Marvel, um, I think, in the eighties, seventies, and eighties. Um, you know, that was it was, a, it was it's a it's a long legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, probably the biggest news the, the that hit the most. Uh, Eighty three good innings. Um, Kirby Morrow, however, passed away this week at the yeah. age of forty seven. 
Um, if you don't know who this person is, uh, for those of you listening, he is Cyclops in X-Men Evolution. He is the Ocean Dubs Goku. So before Sean Semmel. Um, so he was talking about Inuasha. He's in Inuasha. Yeah, he's Moroku. He, if, if you can't remember who Moroku is, he is the one well, that's with what that the, He's the guy with the uh, the palm that is like a vacuum, the wind tunnel, and also who likes to grab butts and get slapped a lot in the show. Huh. Uh, and also, Brandon, he was Captain Dave Kleinman on Stargate Atlantis. Yeah, I saw that. I don't know who that is. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's that's fair. Um <laughs> Yeah, he has a incredibly large uh, voice acting career. Uh, dude was forty seven and passed yeah. away, and that sucks. Uh, yeah. he was one hundred percent the first voice I ever heard for Goku, yep. uh, and that sucks to know that uh, he passed away so young. Um, I really I like Sean Schemmel. Uh yeah. I, I wouldn't trade him or anything, but um, I didn't. I thought that. Kobe's Goku, and I've heard it recently, actually, because Jeremy and I had a conversation about the Ocean Dub a while ago, and we're watching clips from it, but um, I've watched it in the past few years, just clips from it, and I thought he brought something really special to Goku himself, uh, and it's it's just that I'm sure that he did for a lot of the voice roles that I'm not familiar with that he did, um, but man, that's that's shitty. That's just yeah. shitty to pass away so young, and also, that dude was like 17 18 when he started voicing goku maybe maybe just barely 20 at best that's crazy that is insane uh real quickly mag says r.i.p yes indeed he was a good cyclops x-men yeah so x-men evolution what i remember of that show because i watched that show religiously as a kid i watched it more than the original x-men cartoon funny enough kitty pride yeah oh god kitty pride was great that was the one show where I actually liked Cyclops at first. I mean, now I like Cyclops now, thanks to the current X-Men run. But before I was like, I mean, because of the movies and also I was a huge Wolverine fanboy, I was like, Cyclops is a dick. I don't like him. X-Men Ooh. Evolution. Cyclops is rad. I will never forgive the movies for what they did to Cyclops. Because there's <laughs> an entire generation of people who think that's what Cyclops is. And I'm like, oh, you, I'm so sorry. Well, guess what, Ryan? <laughs> thanks to you and this show, I am now knee deep in the... And the Cyclops is actually really freaking cool. Just yeah, him. yeah. He <laughs> saved you, but there are hundreds out there still to be saved. <laughs> well, that means that means there's one less person who needs to see the gospel. Um, yeah, as 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 Spark said, uh, 47 is is tragic to die so young. He no cause of death was given. Um, so who knows? But yeah, that yeah. really sucks. That does. Yeah. All right, let's bring the mood back up, guys. Back up. Back up with the mood. Here we go. Uh, hey, Ryan, you like Hitman? Oh, baby, what a news week. <laughs> yeah, seriously, what a news week. Uh, Project 007 was announced from IOI, IO Interactive. Uh, They're developing a new James Bond game. Uh, if you're not familiar with them, they make the last Hitman games. They've made they also they've made a bunch of other games, but like most recently they've only made Hitman. But um, they said it's an origin. It's gonna be a yes. James Bond origin. So I have the I have the quote. It says a wholly original Bond story in which players will step into the shows of the shoes of the world's favorite secret agent uh, to earn their double O status in the very first Bond origin story. That's really weird to say. It is weird. Um, I, Hitman is such a 
first of all, Iowa is an interesting choice because the Hitman games generally have been more open world esque. There are there are narrative for sure, but they are definitely more open world sandbox games. Um, they've made the games like Kane and Lynch, which are more uh, narrative driven shoot 'em ups. So I'm really curious if if they're trying to like use like the Hitman engine and make like they are. I mean, like I, I mean, like are they going to make? Is it going to be like Hitman or is it going to be more like Kane and Lynch, like a, like a narrative like Uncharted thing, like they used well, to make? I'll tell you this: as long as it's better than 007 Legends, do whatever you want. Yeah, um, like I, I, I've liked a, like a bunch of those 007 games, but they're they're hit and miss. But like, I, I trust the studio immensely. Um, I love Hitman, so this is a good sign. Um, what was the original? What was the original James Bond game with Pierce Brosnan and Willem Dafoe? Oh, uh, no, no, no! It's an original. Um, oh, yeah. Oh. Oh. oh god i'm gonna look it's it like up. A, i know yeah willem dafoe is the villain yeah it's yeah, a yeah, game yeah. Yeah, yeah everything something um oh, i think yeah no, i love the i love the bond games um like nightfall uh the one i'm trying everything or nothing everything or nothing yeah that game rules yeah that game does rule it's basically a james bond movie you play yeah yeah and it's wholly original era. yeah it's wholly original. Willem Dafoe is in it for whatever reason. He's a he's uh, a James Bond villain. But he's the, he's like a great James Bond villain. I love yeah. it. It is in a game. It's infuriating mm-hmm. that I think one of Pierce Brosnan's better like James Bond villains was fucking Willem Dafoe in a video game and yeah. not Willem Dafoe <laughs> in a movie. That's too bad. Um, wait, yeah, wait, I know. What, I'm counting. What system was it on? Was it on the PS2? PS2. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because um, I thought after the, the video game version of From Russia with Love, uh, it was awesome. Uh, that's Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah, so that's bit, Sean Connery. Yeah, they're hit and miss, but uh, I think this is a really good choice to make the next James Bond game. My- yeah, um, they the way that um, uh, IO uses like environments and and the ability to use like anything as a weapon or use your environment as a weapon is perfect for James Bond, especially if they're. Hmm. I wonder if they're going the Daniel Craig like gritty route or they're going to go the gadgets route because Hitman's all about gadgets, like straight yeah. up gadgets. So I'm curious if it's going to be more like traditional, like tr- traditional. Yeah, I, w- I would, s- my money is probably on gadgets, but also I'm curious because I mean, Hitman is very stealthy and James Bond, as from what I can remember, James Bond, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a spy, but also he goes straight Call of Duty mode like halfway through the movie. So yeah, that's why I'm curious. I, yeah, I mean, I would. If they could like do a nice mix mat mishmash of that, I mean that sounds really cool. I also but wonder, it, I also wonder how modern it'll be because if yeah, they're doing yeah. the very first James Bond origin, there's James Bond origin stories like we've seen Casino Royale. That's the Craig origin story, but the original Bond, there are Bond books that take place in World War II that are his origin story. Yeah, the comic mm-hmm. book. Yeah. Um, I I just want to point out because uh, I'm just still looking at everything or nothing. Um, that really just was a movie made as a video game. Uh, you had John Cleese back as Q. You yep. had Judy Dench back as M. You yep. had Heidi Klum as the Bond girl. Uh, <laughs> you you had uh, Richard Kyle. Uh, you had actual actors all throughout this game. Uh, that is crazy. Wow. Uh, looking back at it, I haven't thought about that in so long, but it is crazy that it was basically a James Bond movie made as a video game. And honestly, uh, okay. if it had been made today, it would be like just a James Bond movie. Yeah. Oh man, uh, I feel like that entire cast got robbed. I mean, the last two probably great, sorry. but ugh, that's, that's the rough. last two Bond games that came out were the Golden Knight remake and the 007 Legends. 
that was all the shit movies for some reason um and none of the good ones there uh, there was a um i think it was called bloodstone james 007 bloodstone but it was basically the it was part shooter part arkham game where you use the cell phone as your detective vision so james bond would just put his phone up here and it would be like detective vision so he'd be running around on a cell phone and i'm like wow this is dumb Wow. It wasn't good. Uh, I like the GoldenEye remake for the most part that came out on the Wii, but like I said, 007 Legends was awful. Um, so hopefully it will, it's hopefully it's good. We can only really hope for it being good. Great studio, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, kind of tied to our, our gaming conversation. From what I can tell, it seems like if you get everything or nothing on the Xbox, you could still play that today oh. on your Xbox One. Oh, my God, baby. If you oh, get the man. disc. I'd love to, man. Remaster that, right? Yeah, do that again. Let's give give us some more updated version of that. Yeah, they probably have to like repay everyone's contract, right? <laughs> or or at least pay everyone so they can use their likeness in like full HD. And don't right, and don't do the bullshit where in 007 Legends where it's like uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, but it's Daniel Craig. Like, don't no, do that no. shit. No, you use you use you Pierce use Pierce Brosnan. Brosnan. You use like 1990 whatever this was made. He's doing like this. He's not Mama. doing Mama Mia three. I was about to say Mama Mia three. <laughs> uh, okay, strange. No, things. he just did. Uh, he just did. Um, yah yah ding dong. Oh yeah yeah ding dong. Fire saga. Fire saga. Yeah. That was this year. Wow. Stranger yeah. things. Oh yeah yeah ding dong. Stranger things. Stranger things also ties into behind the mask, Ryan. Because Robert England has been added to the cast of Stranger Things. Yeah, right. That is dope. I'm so I'm so flipping excited. Uh, Robert England, the boy, the the Freddy Krueger, um, is going is going to play Victor Creel only Freddy Krueger. Only Freddy Krueger, exactly. You're right. You're 100 right. There's only Freddy Krueger. Um, a disturbed and intimidating man who is imprisoned in a psychiatric hospital for a gruesome murder in the 1950s. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't. Ooh, wait. He... Okay, so he's he's not hanging out with Hopper, right? He wouldn't be because Hopper's like in a prison. Maybe he's the maybe he's the uh... oh Hopper's in Russia. He could be in a Russian prison. What if it's what if he's a Russian Freddy Krueger? <laughs> there's another there's another character that's connected to him that makes me not think that. Brandon, yeah. what what was Robert England's character's name again? Victor Creel. Oh, isn't it the Absorbing Man? Oh, Creel. Uh, uh, Crusher Creel. Crusher yeah, Creel. but his real, his real name is not Crusher. I think it is. Oh, he's got a name in Immortal Hulk. It's, I think it's Victor Creel. Might be Victor. I don't know. Oh, there you go. All the Stranger Things. <laughs> anyway. He's joining the cast. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. Uh, Jamie Campbell Bauer, uh, who you may remember as Young Grindelwald. Sorry. Uh, he's from Sweeney Todd. Oh. Oh. Oh, um, I know. Him. I know him. Yeah, young Grindelwald and Deathly Hallows that they brought back for some reason for. No, yeah. no, I'm, I'm looking. I'm talking about his role in Sweeney Todd. We all we all remember Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald. We got it. Let's not. Um, he will play uh, Peter Ballard, a caring man who works as an or- orderly at a psychiatric hospital. Tired of the brutality he witnessed day after day, will Peter finally take a stand? Question mark. In Stranger Things. Stranger Things 4, this is all Stranger Things. No, this is Sweeney Todd. <laughs> Trying to find my Todd DVD and I couldn't find it. I like the movie. 
Um, and then we have Eduardo Franco, uh, who is in Booksmart. Um, we'll play Argyle. Jonathan's new BFF. We stand a fan loving. Yeah, we stand a fan loving stoner who proudly delivers delicious pizza pizza pies for Surfer Boy Pizza. Wait, what is this yeah. show again? This? Stranger Things Four. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm about. Oh, that's fine with me. Joseph Quinn from Catherine the Great will play Eddie Munson. Uh, he's the head of the Hawkins High School D and D club, the Hellfire Club. Ooh. The Hellfire Club. The Hellfire Club. Yes. Um, Robert England. Tom. That's not a real word. Walashiha. I'm sorry. From Game of Thrones. He's Game of Thrones. Um, we'll play Dimitri, a smart and charming Russian guard, uh, Russian prison guard. But can he be trusted? Question mark. Hmm. Um, uh, Sherman Augustus from Westworld. Uh, I, I, Tom Walashia. He's um he's the man with no fate. Oh, there he is, the man with no fates. <laughs> oh, oh, he plays Jack and Hagar. Jack and Hagar. Yeah. Oh, I know that guy. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, cool. the from faceless man. Yeah, the faceless man. <laughs> yeah, he's a faceless man. <laughs> All right, Sherman Sherman Augustus from Westworld. Uh, we'll play Lieutenant Colonel Sullivan. He's an intelligent, no nonsense man who believes he knows how to stop the evil in Hawkins once and for all. Mason Dye from the Goldbergs will play Jason Carver, a handsome, rich athlete who is dating the most popular girl in school. But as the new evil threatens Hawkins, his perfect world begins to unravel. Oh, and then yeah. Nicola Jurico Tesla from Genius. I don't know what that is. We'll play Yuri, a speedy and unpredictable Russian smuggler who loves bad jokes, cold hard cash, and crunchy style peanut butter. Same. <laughs> It says I mean, same. I didn't say that. It says it. That's the description. Okay. Same. <laughs> what was the uh, who was the 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 cute Russian with the Slurpee last season? I think his name. No, was it Alexi? Alexi. Alexi. If, if give me like five more Alexis. Um, Man, I'm fine. Not to say Alexi. They're trying what to. Do, a, what, I feel like they're trying. So I just said they're trying to do another Alexi. No one can replace Alexi. No, no, but you can give me like a Yankov Smirnoff or something. No, because there's always there's every season has a fan favorite character. Who gets Yankov Smirnoff? Oh, yeah. if Robert England is the fan favorite character this season that gets murdered, I'm gonna be so mad. Justice for Robert England. <laughs> Starting it already. Justice for Barb. All right, the last Barb, of us was Bob up. and Alexi. Oh god, I forgot. Oh no, I feel bad. I forgot about Bob. Rip, rip Everybody Bob. forgets about Bob. Bob. <laughs> but you know what? It's okay because the justice for Bob, because he helped Frodo take the one ring to Mordor. So, yeah. Right. No, he didn't. That was a different character, you dummy. Go ahead, Brandon. <laughs> Some people are trying to masturbate in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that an Auntie Donna joke? What is that? No, that's Grace and Frankie. Oh, okay. Because I watched the, up early. I watched the. Uh, Auntie Donna scared about how three dudes sleeping in the same tent were all masturbating at different times and they thought it was all weird. <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, I have also been watching skits of those on YouTube. They're funny. Okay, The Last of Us. Guys, The Last of Us was picked up the series to HBO. Wow. Um, this will follow the events of the first game. This is the you know Chernobyl dude. He's doing this one with, with Neil Druckerman. Uh, yeah. Man, yeah, 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 get ready yeah. to get sad. Uh, it's gonna be dope. 
I I have so much faith in this show. One, because it's the Last of Us guys, and two, it's uh, the Chernobyl dude, Chernobyl dude who won a bunch of Emmys or whatever. So uh, it's gonna be great. Yeah. Uh, also, DMX was picked up by HBO Max. DMZ. I don't know why I put DMX. <laughs> DMZ, the comic book adaptation of Ava DuVernay, um, uh, the Vertigo comic series, will uh, has been picked up by HBO Max for a limited series. Will be four episodes. All written by Robert Patino, Roberto Patino, uh, and all directed by Eva DuVernay. I'm sorry. What's the show called? DMZ or DMX? DMZ. DMZ. Okay. DMZ. Where's he going? He's going to grab a book. He's going to grab. It? D- <laughs> Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> Damn it! Where's the two? DMC, I read comic books. There you go, that comic. Oh, that's what DM. Funny enough, Brandon, when you, I heard you say DMC, I was like, "Devil May Cry." What? Oh, ooh, rad! Nice. the author being bomb. Uh, so yeah, this is happening. Cool. Uh, we talked about it a bit before because we were talking about it before the show about when we're going to review Freaky. Well, guys, I told you we have some we have some news about this dude, Christopher B. Landon the writer of Freaky and Happy Death Day to You and the writer-director of Happy Death Day to You and the director of Happy Death Day. Like how Scott Liddell wrote that script. Um, it is... He is working on a reboot of the Paranormal Activity franchise. Really? Hmm. Really. <laughs> Just, damn, Sparks don't have to get that close. <laughs> hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> Uh, he has apparently, this is not the first time he's been attached to this, this franchise. He wrote the second, third, and fourth Paranormal Activity films and wrote and directed the fifth one. Two of those are good. Ah, I think two and three are really good. I agree with you. <laughs> I think four cool. is okay. And I think four five is fine. Is... So I, 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 dropped, I dropped off the, the activity train after like one or two. I definitely, I definitely saw one. But yeah. uh, are any of those movies funny? Because all these happy no. that they freaky are funny and stuff. So like, is he just going to go back to horror? Which is fine. I'm just like, oh, I like. I think comedy. probably they're looking at. Can you do the happy death day to you formula with paranormal activity? Oh, are they going to like flip the genre? Oh, sweet. I'll, I'll be okay. With that. Um, um, I mean, I did not I mean, see the sick would, paranormal activity. So it it would be weird at this point to go back to the franchise to just do the same thing because paranormal yeah. paranormal activity got done to death. So you got to do something new if you're. What was doing the sixth anything one called? with it. I don't the Mark. No, that's the fifth one. The marked one. I, I, I didn't even know if that was real or not. The, the marked <laughs> the marked ones it was the marked ones the spin-off. It's the spin-off one? that ended up just being the fifth movie. Right. I saw a billboard once. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Apparently, so he wrote the first. So, so he's writing the film, but he's not directing the film. Uh, he said that they have a that they have a director that everyone's really excited about, but they can't say who yet. You got to do something really interesting to make me want to come back to that fran- that franchise at all, because yeah. like, like it, it really it really just kind of petered out after three. Like you kind of had seen everything at that point. Yeah. Isn't the appeal of those movies that they're like super duper low budget, so they're like kind of like super realistic, right? Well, that was sure. the appeal of the, the first, first one, at least two, was. but the but the third one, like they have more of a budget and they use it, even though they're still doing like the found footage style. But the third one, yeah. I didn't feel like it got bloated because of it. But then I actually after thought that, three was really like, inventive. 
Yeah. But then after that, it starts to get like, how can we do everything we did before, but cleaner? And I'm like, eh, but I don't, I don't care. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I remember three being really inventive because it's set in the 1980s. So how do you do found footage then? I'm pretty That's sure that. four, four is the one where they have the X, <laughs> they have the <laughs> Xbox uh, camera sensor yes. that creates lights in the night vision, and yes. in that those dots of lights you see the the creature, which looks like Minotaur-esque. Cross, cross brands, baby. Um, I remember 4 is the only true sequel to 2. Y- yeah. Cause yeah, because 3 is... Because 3 is a prequel. Yes. For the most part, yeah. And two, 2 is also a prequel for the most part. It's just that the ending takes place after Paranormal Activity 1. What? Wow. Oh, yeah. No, I got you. I got you. Yeah. Yes. You're correct. Yes. yes. And then three, it's even more prequel. And then four, we go back to where we left off at the other two. So so here's the thing, guys. Uh, if you don't here. remember, real quick, in Paranormal Activity 2, the sister of the girl from Paranormal Activity 1 was actually the one being haunted first. And she moves the, the picture out of her house and into her sister's house and puts the curse on her. But the thing was actually after the baby. So it has to, once it possesses the sister, come back to her sister's house to take the baby. And then in the fourth one, it puts the baby with another family and then decides the baby got old enough. Okay, I'm taking back the kid. And then then five is the Mexican family. Yes. It's possessed by a different thing. Yes. French is wild. <laughs> yes, it is. All right. <laughs> Speaking of wild franchises, the Pink Panther is coming back. Now I'm going to rip I'm going to rip the joke right off of IGN. If you were asking yourself the the, the cartoon character or the Peter Sellers character, it is why not both? Oh um, Por qué no? They are rebooting the Pink Panther franchise. Jeff Fowler, who was the director of Sonic the Hedgehog, and Chris Bremner, who was the co-writer for Bad Boys for Life, um, will reboot the franchise. Will re- it will revolve around a detective character who undergoes a traumatic event and begins hallucinating a cartoonish Pink Panther sidekick. Okay, um, I think that is hilarious and the best idea for Pink Panther at this point ever. Because I... old Pink, old Pink Panther... The, the cartoon is just the credits. That's all. It has nothing yeah. to do with the rest of the film. And then they made a cartoon series that has nothing to do with those movies. But it's just Peter Sellers trying to catch the diamond thing. But this idea is incredibly fascinating because you can just have this guy who I hope it's still comedic and it's still Peter Sellers-esque. He's just haphazardly being good because this cartoon Pink Panther is leading him all these crazy places. Like People are like, I don't know how he figures this stuff out. And he's just like, <laughs> that darn cartoon panther. <laughs> Funny enough, I was actually introduced to the cartoon first. So when I saw the trailer for the Steve Martin film, I was very confused. I would like to buy a burger. A burger. Oh my god. Okay, those movies are are their own thing entirely. Um, Jason Statham plays the soccer guy who owns the Pink Panther oh. Diamond. If Steve if Steve Martin weren't so charming, those movies wouldn't work. But Ben, hold on. Have you never seen any of the Peter Sellers films? Nope. Only I okay, only you, remember the cartoon. 
you are doing yourself a massive disservice. You need to go back to those original films. I promise you. I've only seen the first um, one. I haven't seen the sequel. They, Peter still like rules, but I'm, I just can't stop laughing at. I'm gonna get the burger. Get the burger. It's so dumb. I would like to. I would like to have a burger. I never even saw the movies, but I love that part of the trailer. Max, the same. Playing the same for cartoon. So I don't. I don't. I don't remember, but like the the fourth or fifth Pink Panther film, the original Peter Sellers one, is like a documentary all about like they're making a documentary about how Inspector Clouseau turned out to be a genius protector of the Pink Panther and then he died. But it turns out by the end of the documentary that he didn't die. They just misplaced him. (laughs) 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 It's it's so stupid, but it's so good. Okay. Lord. (laughs) Moving on. Moving on. Got some Disney news. The House of Mouse is coming back for Deadpool 3. So the film franchise that they've always owned. <laughs> yeah. They didn't buy a, they didn't buy a company. Um, no. <laughs> Rob Liefeld kept saying, they're not making it. They're not doing it. It's not happening. And uh, he immediately, when he saw the news, was like, hell yeah, baby, I love Deadpool. Oh, I uh, hate him. Someone is. Anyway. <laughs> Man. He's just for salty. The, yeah. For the third film, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick will not return to write. They wrote the first two. Uh, they will not be writing the third one. Uh, instead, Bob's Burgers alums, uh, Wendy Millenew and Leslie Millenew Logan, uh, will write the third Deadpool film. Seemingly confirmed wait. by both their Twitter accounts and the Deadpool account. So is there a reason as to why the original writers are coming back? Or... Well, so the reason only given is that after Ryan Reynolds brought in a bunch of writer te- writers, writer teams, heard all the pitches, and then picked the best one. And they won oh. out. I love it. Okay. I love Bob's uh, Burgers so much, you guys. <laughs> I still watch that I, show. I like Deadpool and Deadpool 2. I do. Um, I found something weaker overall in Deadpool 2 in the writing. Um, And I can't quite put my finger all the way on it, but it is there. Uh, And having a new fresh uh, writing team for Deadpool, I think is a good choice at this point. Rather, I feel like if they came back with the same team, I think Deadpool might be a little tired. Uh, That's like two sisters. That's like so cool. That's really awesome. So just the fact that Deadpool's, I'm sorry, go ahead, Ben. Go ahead. uh, This might, uh, so we all know Deadpool's radar franchise, and Feige has said constantly that he is not going to allow any rated R franchises into the MCU. It looks like that is being taken away. So he, so Deadpool is going to be the first rated R. Deadpool three is going to be the first rated R film. In the last the thing, the MCU. last thing we know, the last thing we heard about, and by the way, Deadpool is easy to fit in the MCU without not fitting into the MCU, but still. Sure. The last thing we heard is that Bob Iger said that if we make it third Deadpool, it'll be rated R. Okay. Yeah. So. Oh, we got a new guy. Uh, David Leach uh, will uh, will will probably return, but as of now, he is not attached to the film. But it's so far away, he, he can finish all of his projects and come back. Yeah. Uh, we have yeah Avant. Yeah, the right. wife shouldn't have died. Bad writing choice. Yes, but if you recall, the wife is not dead. Mm, yeah, time travel. <laughs> yeah, they fix that writing by making time travel a thing. He just fit, he just does it before she dies. It's fine. Although that, I have to admit that when they did kill Vanessa in the first part and the opening credits were like, wait, what? No, yeah. they just, they just it doesn't excuse it. it. It doesn't excuse it. 
It doesn't. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that. But it is funny. It's like I also. It's. It's. I felt the same way about Lancelot's death in Kingsman Golden Circle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my god. Oh, I got fridging is, is fridging is a thing of the past. <laughs> don't do it anymore. <laughs> uh, Sparks reliving the moment of Lancelot's death of Kingsman Golden Circle. What up, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna Hulk out. <laughs> I'm so mad. Yeah, I was. I'm still real mad about that. About that. We're, apparently, we're all salty about that part. Yeah. All right, because the movie should have been about both of them. Whatever. Anyway, um, another pred. Another. Well, I bury the lead. Another Disney franchise that Disney has owned forever. Predator. Uh, they're working on a new Predator film that will not be a follow-up from the 2018 film. Uh, writ- uh, directed and written by Dan Trachen- Trachtenberg, who is the director, writer-director of Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. The best Cloverfield film. Um, he was not happy this news broke because he confirmed it by being like, man, it was supposed to be a surprise. I've been doing this for four years. Yeah, apparently, like I think they're working on like like an announcement trailer like right now, and that's how yeah. it got leaked. Uh, and I'm like, man, that is that is that's Hollywood for you, isn't it? That's such a bummer, yeah. but also really so, cool that like they're able to hide it. So he's been working on this while the last one was getting made. Yes, yes, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm totally okay with you not following. Like I thought the predator was fine. Uh, I'm totally fine with you ignoring like picking up the threads it left behind. Yeah. Uh, do something else with Predator. I don't care. Uh, just do it well. And I I found this really cool. I, I think this is really cool on two fronts. One, that Disney is 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 not going to bury those franchises. That they are going to try to bring them back in some way. Um, I wasn't, and I was never worried. And two, that Dan Trachtenberg uh, is an incredible choice for this. Yes, I agree. I'm so stoked. Yeah. Very excited. Uh, I guess he he started this right after he left Mortal Kombat. I think he left this. I think he left Mortal Kombat for this because Mortal Kombat was taking too long. Yo, that movie uh, comes out in two months. Uh, <laughs> nope. It, importantly, that also means uh, that he was attached to this before Disney bought out, and they decided they liked this enough to keep going with it. So that's yes. also awesome. Yes, all awesome, all around. Uh, the Arrowverse news. That's the news this week. We're not going to talk about that yet, Sparks. I apologize. Um, real quickly, two oh, new no, shows were renewed. <laughs> Batgirl and The Legend of Tomorrow get new seasons. Cool. Bat Batwoman. Batwoman. What I say? I know what I said. Don't Batgirl. listen to me. Uh, <laughs> this is this is not these coming seasons. These are one more season past. Uh, correct. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, Avon says any news on Disney's Jungle Cruise? Can't wait for the Disney attraction ride universe. Uh, yeah. That's, that's that's normally coming out like next summer, right? That was already scheduled. I think so. for no, it was I think, supposed yeah. to come out last summer. Oh, was it? It was, it was supposed to come out this year, and it was pushed to oh, next yeah. year. Yeah. yeah, I don't know anymore. I, well, dude, I forget. All right, so the Arrowverse. Um, so back uh, Legends good. of Tomorrow have been for new season. Batwoman. Batwoman. Anyway. Uh, good for Legends of Tomorrow because that show turned out to be pretty great. So, yeah. good for them. The other thing is they're getting a new show. They're getting an exciting new show called Wonder Girl. Uh, <gasps> this will be about the breakout future state hit. Uh, and that's actually true because uh, the internet loves her, honestly. Um, but it will be about Yara Floor, who will be the new future state Wonder Woman. 
uh, next to Diana. Oh. She comes from the Amazon, which is why she's an Amazon. Uh, she's the Amazon rainforest, so not the Amazon things. Not like Amazonia. <laughs> not Amazonia. Or Themyscira, whatever it's called today. Um, yeah. But yeah, so they're going to do it as a CW TV series from Berlanti Productions, so obviously Greg Berlanti, uh, and Queen of the South executive producer and uh, co-showrunner Dalen Rodriguez. So that's cool. Wow, man. that That's like... They must really have faith in that character. And like, I'm sure it, it's great. Like, that's a character who we haven't seen yet and is only going to be in a book for two months. That's a lot of... That's, that's a that whole, whole show around that. That's insane. Here's the thing. I think this also says, because... The, the DC universe is a lot more connected than it used to be. All of the TV and comics and movies, they're a lot more connected. I think this means that this future, I think this is a confirmation that this future state stuff, uh, at least the stuff that works, will remain in the in the continuity in some way. Yeah. Um, I, I also think this is partially a reaction to knowing they're losing Supergirl. They're losing uh, their, their uh, buddy, buddy girl dynamic they were going to have. So yeah. uh, bringing, bringing another bit of that energy and it's also a good diversity pool so yeah um yeah. and then the final thing but the news was hit us a, a bit of a blow black lightning will be ending oh. at season four i'm pissed why uh let, may i let me tell you uh what's going let me tell you what's going to happen season four real quickly episode seven of season four will be a backdoor pilot to a spinoff of the, for the painkiller which will then spin off into its new show, already confirmed and picked up by the CW for Painkiller. And the writer of Black Lightning is going to just keep going with that show. Who's Painkiller? Painkiller. Uh, so you guys watched uh, the early episodes of Black Lightning. Um, yeah. There was the boy who was uh, interested oh, yeah. in one of his daughters and he gets hurt. His spine gets uh, ruined and he was a track star. Okay, yeah. so Tobias Whale takes him and drugs him up. And he becomes a supervillain called Painkiller. Oh. Okay. Who then becomes kind of an anti-hero. Oh, and now okay. he's getting his own show. <clears throat> As opposed to Black Lightning? Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I am not thrilled about this. Uh, as a, a feeling like it's great that they'll have Painkiller, so some part of the Black Lightning stuff is going to carry on, but as as a person who has felt like Black Lightning has been given the short end of the stick this whole time, despite being the better show on the CW in most cases, uh, this sucks. They've Isn't lost it? now three members of their Justice League. Yeah, uh, yeah especially especially because he just got brought into that whole universe, and they're like, yeah, but this is the one time. And I am not clear on if he's going to even get to do a crossover this year because of COVID. Like, I don't know how that's even going to work out. So. He, that that all was kind of for nothing, and I think that's stupid. That's oh wow! I didn't even think about like a yearly crossover and how it's been a year already. Oh my god! Yeah. God, remember last year when we were like so ready for Crisis on Infinite Earths? Wow, I liked it. I still like Crisis on Infinite. No, I still I still like it too. Wow, yeah. I mean, because I agree with Sparks. Even though I haven't been watching the shows, I was glad they brought in the black uh, Black Lightning, and they had he had a seat on the Justice League, on their version of the Justice League. And now they're kind of giving him Don's boot. It's like, that's bullshit. You just brought yeah. him in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, okay. It's like, I feel like I'm that meme. It's like, Thomas has never seen such bullshit before. Uh, over on the other Earth, uh, Earth 2, Stargirl's Earth, um, Jakeem Thunder has been cast. I thought this was going to happen. Um, Alcoya Brunson 
has been cast to the JSA legacy character who will control uh, Thunder. Uh, Lightning, cool. sorry. Cool. The genie. Rad. Um, and then over on, on HBO Max, uh, The Batman has lost its showrunner. Terrence Winter has departed the series due to creative uh, differences. Rub roll, Robin. Yeah. That, not a good week for, for DC. <clears throat> Um, hey, as long as uh, James Mangold is still attached, then whatever. Matt Reeves? Uh, Matt Reeves, yeah, that is who I yeah. meant. Sorry. I was like, wait, is James Mangold doing this show? <laughs> like, no, as long, as long as Matt Reeves is still uh, attached yeah, involved, to me, yeah. spearheading uh, the show. Because like, like, if he's still attached, that means that the creative differences are probably like, oh, you're working against the things that I want for this vibe yeah. to be. So, yeah. no. let's hope it's Let's hope it's that and not... That's something worse. Yeah. Right. When Matt um, Reeves leaves because of creative differences, I will worry. <laughs> oh. You're the director of the movie. He leaves oh, the movie. No. Oh, no. <laughs> directed by Joss Whedon. Jesus. Directed by oh. Zack Snyder. Oh. oh, somehow it got worse. <laughs> um. All right. The biggest news that came out of HBO Max was that Wonder Woman 1984 will be going to HBO Max and cinemas on December 25th. At no additional cost with no a little middle finger to Disney. I don't know if you guys saw it in the background. Um, well, they're already the most expensive streaming service by far. Yeah. So I'm it's, good not having yeah. to pay extra for that. Yeah, oh, me yeah. too. $30 I, is a lot of Disney movies too. I, I stand by that. I'm, I feel the same way about this that I felt about Soul, which is that I think it is a disservice to all the people that worked on that movie to not offer it at, at least like $5 or $10. Um, especially because again, I go back to, we haven't seen it out of Warner yet. We have seen it out of Disney. Other people are losing their jobs while they are giving these kind of benefits when they could be making income to help those people keep their jobs. And I'm sure this is going to, the longer coronavirus goes on, that's going to happen at Warner brothers too. And I'm like, I'm sure everybody would agree. I would rather that they spend at least five or $10 on the movie on the streaming app so that those people get to keep their jobs. Yeah. So um, I I still don't like this. Uh, it is a, it like, is nice that it is nice that they're bringing it to theaters as well. Um, yes. So you have that option uh, if you want to uh, go to the theater. Importantly, no HBO Max uh, outside of the U.S. Yes. Only in theaters outside of the U.S. Yeah. Um, mm. Well, most a lot of theaters outside of the U.S. are open. Um, but yeah. Uh, I think this is a pretty good movie. Like, I would have waited till next summer to see it in theaters. Honestly, like that's the movie yeah. I would love to have seen on the big screen. Uh, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna go see this one in drive-in for sure. Yeah. Um, um, but hey, I'm glad. I'm I'm super excited for the movie. It's one of my most anticipated films of last year, actually. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm really excited still. Yeah, my my big thing is just that still standing by that same point of like you know, Wasn't you, you should be to come out in 2019. Yes. Jesus. Crazy. And crazy. Warner Brothers. All right. Trailers. Guys, we're in trailer talk. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mix up. I'm going to mix up, mix these up. We'll start with uh, the longest. Cyberpunk 2077. Ooh. I don't think I've ever been this excited for a CG Project Red game in, no, it really. I haven't been excited for it because I actually really, really want to get my hands on this game. Because while I was watching, I mean, I thought I knew this game was going to be cool from all the trailers and Keanu Reeves and everything. 
But Lord, if I could make my, my a cyberpunk version of Mega Man Zero where I could be blasting and slicing people in half, gimme! I want it! Yeah, uh, so this game was supposed to be out like this week and it got delayed, which was a big mm-hmm. ro- uproar on the internet. But um, uh, yeah, like they, CD Projekt Red releases the game every like five years and it's for yeah. good reason because if you watch this five minute trailer, the breadth and depth of things you can do in this game are just unparalleled to other developers on like like Rockstar who make like Grand Theft Auto. Like just yeah. the way that this game looks, the amount of stuff you can do, the you can you can first of all you can choose different like uh, branches. You can be like a rich guy, a poor guy, a guy in the middle, and have completely different stories in your 100 hour RPG. And then you can play it multiple times over and get different stories every time. Um, it's it's really like once in a generation type of game. Um, and I'm just I I. You guys know how excited I am for this. Like I, I yeah. am ooze, I am seething waiting for it. It looks yeah, so I cool. thought, yeah, I thought this looked incredible. I can't wait to get my next gen console so I can play it on that. Yeah, um, I'm waiting for it. Gonna be I'm gonna get it on PS5. I'm not I as cool as it probably will look on a PS4, I'm waiting for my PS5. I went oh, for yeah. my PS5. Um my girlfriend and my roommate were all we're gonna be putting pulling land together. We're gonna be getting a, a brand new super high def TV for for Black Friday this year, uh, for our downstairs, and that's when I eventually get the PS5. Yeah, those, things are on, those things are on sale now because Black Friday has been the whole month. Yeah, Black because they don't want people don't they want they don't want to rush on Black Friday. Oh yeah, um, when I mean Black Friday, I mean like the Black Friday sale. We're not gonna go on Black Friday, but since uh, go ahead, Ben. Yeah, but man, I'm I'm this is the most I've ever been excited for Cyberpunk Cyberpunk 2077 because before it's like you know what, I'll probably give it a shot. Now it's like you got me. I'm sold. Uh, I I definitely like. I got here around two a.m. Uh, this morning, um, in Monterey, and I had to watch the New Mutants, so I was booting it up. But I got on Twitter and found out that Best Buy was selling PS5s, so I had Best Buy in one hand and New Mutants starting, and I I was just getting and I got the PS5 in my cart, and. And look, they did a really good system for it. They were fighting the bots. They, they made a validation code and all this other stuff to make sure that you're a person who's buying a PS5, which was great. However, they were only selling stock for stores that had it, that would have it available within the week. And nowhere within 250 miles of Monterey or <laughs> down there had it available. And I'm like, well, F me in the A, I guess. Just <laughs> find you in the Alps, apparently. Uh, I'm seeing pictures online of like people who have like literally like a hundred PSIs and they're selling them on on eBay for like a thousand dollars. And I'm like, uh, that's that's always how it is at launch. But unfortunately, the pandemic has made it even worse. So, so those yeah. people, I would like to punch them in the face. They um, also they, a rampantly uh, the the PlayStation Direct and Best Buy have been pretty good about fighting bots, but Walmart and Target got bot hit with every bit of PS5 launch hard. And so people got just multiple PS5s and are selling them for like double or more. Uh, it's insane. I figure I figure all the games that I want are going to be on the PS4 anyway, so I'll wait till next year. I got a, I got a PC. Uh, except baby. Ratchet and Clank, my man. Ratchet and Clank. I can still wait till next year. Yeah, yeah. you can. It's not out yet. Yeah. Um, oh, I, uh... But yeah, so you know, Immortals: Phoenix Rising. I'll buy that. That's on the PS4. Yeah. Um. Matt, oh wait, sorry. Max says, "That's why I wait for special PS5 
PS5, yeah. Oh, yeah, like for like a special or something, like next year, yeah. Yep. 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 So, speaking of Immortals Phoenix Rising, was that trailer just like the okay. trailer? You, you took my segue. You took my segue. <laughs> yes, speaking of Immortals Phoenix Rising, um, who were we talking about before? PS5. We were talking about Cyberpunk. Um, right, okay. Immortals Phoenix Rising had a very interesting trailer this week uh, where they crossed over with Finn and Jake from Adventure Time. Yeah, uh, so I saw that on Instagram and then I immediately messaged Brandon and I was like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> what's what's happening? It's it's unfortunately uh, just a key marketing thing. There's no there's no product in the game or anything. Uh, they right. like Rick and Morty is is the brand that does this the most. They will just make commercials for brands. Well, they actually um, did. They did. They made yeah. a PS5 one. Yeah. Um. So yeah. this is just. There's nothing in the game. It's just an Adventure Time brand, a commercial. That's all it is. That's it's too weird. bad. That would be cool. Yeah. That's uh, why it's they, so they, weird. They, like, there's not like there's not like the sword or or Finn or Jake or anything in the game. It's just a commercial they made. No, that's kind of lame. Uh, did they confirm that that's the case? Just yeah. Asking. I mean, no. I mean, like, okay. I, I, I. They have already online. released. They have already released what the DLC will be. Uh, I didn't write yeah. it down, but it's some cool stuff. It's it's all story uh, stuff. Yeah. yeah. My my only point in that was because uh, the the language I'm looking for it right now is I can oh yeah here it is, uh, the language that Cartoon Network used um, uh, was something mathematical is coming soon from Ubisoft, making it sound like they were actually going to have something in the game uh, they, when they posted the video. If they if they were going to announce it, they probably should have announced it when the video came out. They haven't announced it I, yet. I agree. Um, I agree. I was just saying, like, the language is confusing. Yeah. Um. I looked online for it everywhere, and, like, people were also confused. Like, so this was just for fun? And I'm like, I guess so. What is... uh, okay. Tom and Jerry. Let's go there next. Chloe Grace Moritz. Tom and Jerry. Listen, everybody Michael needs Pena. a new car. Everybody needs a new car now and then. Like I, I'm not gonna get mad at him for it. <laughs> I did not. I, uh, this is bad, guys. This is a bad trailer. No, no it wasn't uh, only bad. It just okay. It's the, anim going. the animation is terrible, uh, and that's the part that offends me the most. Is that the animation compared to like put against live action? It looks like shit. And I'm like mm -hmm. the Scooby Doo movies look better the live action scooby-doo movies look better than this because they at least blend and look like they're part of the same world this just doesn't work the smurfs movie looks better uh what did we just watch that that did this um sonic the hedgehog looks better because at least it looks like he's in the world there's one shot where like they're near like an elevator or something and chloe chloe grace moretz like freaks out um and it is so bad it looks so like she's just on a green screen i'm like this is a big budget movie. What is going on? How does it look this bad? This looks like uh, the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie. I always knew it should. Twenty years ago, okay, yeah, God. But yeah, twenty years ago, that was. Totally but it's the same. It's the same format. Like they're doing the thing that Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Rocky and Bullwinkle. But like it, it is. They are still two D animated in a three D live action world. Um, yeah. I also, I also want to point out that like. Um, I might get pushback on this, but the it's just a trailer, but the energy of Tom and Jerry doesn't feel like Tom and Jerry to me. It feels like somebody who watches Itchy and Scratchy and knows that that's a reference to Tom and Jerry, but thinks that's the dynamic and has to be toned down for kids and applied that to this because Jerry doesn't usually start the stuff with Tom. It's usually reactionary to something Tom does. 
But here he's constantly harassing Tom and Tom is made the victim. Like Tom does become victim a lot, but he usually starts it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just mad. Max about it. says Max has not as bad as Woody the Woodpecker. Yeah, we don't talk that. about Woody the Woodpecker. I don't. We it. don't talk about it. We pretend we don't that. Talk about I don't. I, like, I watched Tom and Jerry as a kid, but I have like no real nostalgia for it. Um, it, it just looks like another one of those bad, yeah, Rocky Bullwinkle Smurfs. Oh, no. Like my my mom can attest. I, besides Looney Tunes, it was Looney Tunes, Tom and Jerry. I Tom- she. <laughs> Who Framed Roger Rabbit looks better than this? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it oh, does. Yeah. It's a 40-year-old movie. No, no, it's, 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 Tom, okay, okay, let me... Uh, not only that, Tom and Jerry just looks just god-awful, and even uh, Chloe Grace Moretz doesn't look like she's having any energy into it. It's It looks like shit, and even the actors look like they're not having fun. Yeah, uh, the, funny, but still. The the 3D animation they use on them is very, like... um, it's It's not clean it's very it's very smoothed and so there's not a lot of detail in the line work of it and so they don't look very good this looks like the cgi movies they've made for tom and jerry that are just like they use 3d cgi to animate them just regular animated films this looks like that but just laid over a live action and that that looks terrible um like honestly them 2d drawn would work better than this that would look at least more like space jam or something uh like the, the the lighting and shading on them doesn't look good uh, they just don't blend into the world, and it looks atrocious. And I'm like, what's the point? If they don't even look good, what's no. the point? So one of the things that I really want to say about this is that in the case of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rocky and Bullwinkle, they knew they were cartoons. They knew they were they were fictional things yes. the whole time. Whereas yes. in Tom and Jerry, she was like, oh, let's do, let's have a, this is a real cat. This is totally a real cat. No, it's if, if it's it's the Scooby Doo thing. It's you know. He is totally a real Great Dane, even though there are dogs in the world who are not talking. But but that doesn't work when they look this cartoonish. Yep, sure. Uh, we the guy about that. Tim Story uh, directed the Fantastic Four movies. Tim Story also directed Shaft. That movie is awful. And Barbershop, and that's fine. So like, uh, uh, no, seeing this trailer makes me want to watch the very first Tom and Jerry anime movie that came out in the nineties. I had that shot uh, VHS. Tom- Tom and Jerry is very much something where, like, I don't feel like it should ever be made live action. I really don't. I think it should stay entire. Like, there's no point to it. It should stay entirely animated. They, they do not. Their their whole dynamic is thrown off by any interaction with human beings. Why are people so scared just to make big budget cartoons? Why? Why are they so scared? Uh, okay. Speaking of terrible, Estella Scrooge. Please tell me you guys watch this. Oh, oh yes! I <laughs> you needed to suffer with me. I wasn't sure. I was really worried going into this because, like, I thought you might have like really liked this, and I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Doesn't it just? I really, uh, I really hate the attempts to like make things that are definitely outside the the realm of possibility. In the time of COVID, uh, real quick, that Hocus Pocus spectacular—it looks like this, like the kind of goofy CGI and stuff. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't matter because the the feature is to see the actors that you're seeing do the thing, and and so you kind of don't care. Uh, but for this, this doesn't have that kind of like celebrity status, mass appeal. I watched this with Megan, who knows Broadway stuff, and she didn't even give a crap. So this was a uh, this this is a bunch of Broadway actors in this movie. Um, well, what Sparks is, is referring to, for those of you who don't know, is that this movie was made uh, with nobody in the same room as each other. 
Uh, and they are all digitally inserted, which is why the background is all green screen. I didn't know that. That makes sense now. So I no, even... there was no, they all had their own cameras and their own lighting equipment and they did their own bits. And then they put that on a CG background and spliced this movie together. And it shows. Yeah, it really does. Now, I get it. it it's the age of COVID. I have a, a lot of friends uh, who wanted, who worked on Broadway, who worked off Broadway, and they're hurting right now because, I mean, they can't go do, they can't essentially go to work. It sucks. I understand they're trying to find ways to, like, to, to earn, but dear Lord. Um, I forget the name of it, but Megan and I, with a, a friend of ours, Scott, watched a different, uh, uh, Broadway musical like made at home during COVID thing earlier this year. Um, I, I'll ask her the name of it and try and get it to you guys later. But uh, it's um, it's much more famous Broadway stars like James Monroe Aglehart who originated the genie on Broadway. Uh, uh, also write, wrote Spider-Man a couple of times, guys, in comics. Just fun thing because we're a nerd podcast. Anyway, what they did is they did a murder mystery invitation thing but they all filmed it from their own home. So there was a murder thing that was supposed to happen in the bathroom. So one of them filled themselves in the tub and the other person filmed themselves in the doorway of a bathroom and just made it seem like it's the same, but they're not trying to create a set that doesn't exist. So they actually functionally recreated like what felt like one house just by using their own individual rooms mm -hmm. uh, and just filming those. And I mean, like it's low budget, it's cheap production quality, but it at least feels genuine. Now you see that sounds creative and cool. This whatever I know I'm pointing to my ceiling, but Estella Scrooge seems lame. Screw the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. Screw I you. Blank space on my ceiling that doesn't have a poster yet. I watch a lot of Red Letter Media, and they like th their whole thing is like they make fun of like old like straight to DVD movies and stuff, <clears> and I'm like, this looks like a movie they would make fun of. Like like yeah. just the production value. Like everyone's really giving it their best, which means it's probably going to be really bad. Um. Good. Hey, man. Good for you for making something, though. I guess I. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I, I mean, I my heart goes out to to the Broadway actors, to the people working behind, uh, backstage. My heart goes out to them, but yikes. No, know your limits. Know when you don't know <laughs> yeah. how to light yourself or film yourself on a green screen or edit any of that. Know your limits. Mm -hmm. Do you guys want bad next or controversy next? Yes. Ooh, uh, I mean, I think we should do controversy next if it's what I think it is because uh, it's musical. Music. Okay. Oh, so, man. Uh, also, Sparks, much like with this trailer, I don't like, oh, God, I hope this isn't something I'm supposed to like. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm really sad that Leslie O'Don Jr. is in this. Uh, he's the black guy you see in that. He was Aaron Burr in Hamilton on, yeah. on Disney+. Plus. Oh. Um, yeah, uh, I really like Leslie O'Don Jr., but... Um, so, this is the, the, the there's a whole thing. That Let's tell them what this movie is real quick. It is directed by sure. Saya. See ya. See ya. Thank you. Uh, this has written, Kate written and directed. Written and directed by by Sia. This has Kate Hudson. Yes. Mm -hmm. Looking yes. like she's thirteen. <laughs> Whatever. Wild. Anyway, so that's what and, this is. Uh, there's some some controversy about it. That's and they, and a girl and a girl named Maddie Ziegler. Who is cast in a lot of Sia stuff, uh, and she chose to make her the uh, main autistic girl. You're seeing music is her name. Um, so this dropped, and uh, I was very quickly made aware of the problems going on with this because I, my friend Kayla Cromer, 
who is uh, on Everything's Gonna Be Okay. I've mentioned her on the podcast before. She is autistic. She plays an autistic character on the show. She was getting very upset about the things Sia was tweeting, and rightly so. So um, this trailer dropped in the autistic community on Twitter, essentially came out and said, Sia, this is not representing us. You didn't. You worked with Autism Speaks, which is a organization that most of the autistic community hates because Autism Speaks, for those who don't know, uh, they are all about the idea of they want to eradicate autism. That autism is a is essentially a plague that they want to get rid of, um, which makes everybody who has autism feel really shitty, uh, and rightly so. And so they don't really like that. There are much better organizations. Yet Autism Speaks got involved. Sia defended that she spent years, three years, I believe, doing research on this. And everyone's and then she's like, I didn't know uh, Autism Speaks was controversial. And everyone's like, cool, you couldn't have like Googled it and on the first page seen what was up and how people feel about it who have autism. That's ridiculous. Uh, then people were talking about how um, it is a uh, a you know, non, non-autistic actor playing the role and basically like doing everything that they've always seen, like the, the, the typical stereotypes of autism being portrayed. Uh, and why didn't she cast an auti- uh, uh, autistic actor for it? And um, the response from her was that she decided that she knew better than they did that they could not handle the pressures of a film production any autistic actors, any of them. And, uh, and uh, many autistic actors- I saw Peter Bus- Peanut Butter Falcon. Yeah, uh, so many autistic- Peanut Butter Falcon has an autistic- Many autistic actors responded to this uh, with like, you know, I'm an autistic actor, da, 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 da. And one particular like made the argument of like, you know, I know what I can do. I know what I'm capable of. You do not have the right to make that choice for us. Uh, and she responded, well, maybe you're just a bad actor. And so everything went really, really bad. See uh, a so the, it's bad that Sia did this without considering them, but what's worse is the way she responded to the community telling her she was misrepresenting them and treating them unfairly. Uh, and yes, she just made these like big outlandish claims that she was in the right because she was taking the responsibility and respecting them by not casting them in the film and not putting that burden on them. Uh, it's shitty. It's really shitty. Uh, it really, really sucks that so, this happened and- this week. What's quick bummer is, like, I'm sure all of this was from, like, a place of, of, of like, being good in her heart. Like, I'm sure none of this, I'm sure this was she all said, accidental, like, just being ignorant. Like, man. She said, she said that she uh, wrote it uh, because it's supposed to kind of uh, illustrate a friend who exists in her life. And um, that she talked to two people she knows about who have autism, uh, who are autistic. She talked to them about how they feel about this film. Uh uh, I need to start saying autistic, not have autism, sorry. Um, and uh, that that was basically her frame of reference. And everyone's like, cool, those two people who probably aren't on the, like, uh, on the same scale as a lot of things. Uh, I, I saw a lot of conversation. I got involved in a lot of conversation about this. I, I supported Kayla and all the autistic actors I know uh, and have seen out there. Uh, protesting this it's uh, super upsetting and there's a lot of people a lot of people this is one last point I want to make there's a lot of people making uh, claims about like how come straight people can play queer roles and we don't freak out about it and I'm like cool um, queerness is not the same as a disability and it's pretty much just as simple as that Uh, there is a difference between like handling being portraying queerness on a sexual spectrum and portraying people who have a disability Um, that's it so, I uh, go ahead. So, quick context: my friends who are diehard sports fans, we have a term called the Goose Maverick tailspin. 
essentially a goose maverick tailspin is when something goes south so quickly and it blow, and essentially blows up in your face. What C is doing is a celebrity version of the goose maverick tailspin. Because, dear yep. lord, that went south quick. All the comments. Because uh, I I didn't know anything about this this movie or whatever. Uh, I watched the trailer on YouTube and I immediately scrolled down. Oh, boy. People are not happy. <laughs> So that's when I was like, okay, I hope this is what Sparks is going to talk about. Because if I, if he's if if I'm just about the conversation, like, yo, this movie looks dope, and I'm like, oh no, Sparks, oh no, <laughs> no, no, I was I was I was very very aware. Um, it's it's really shitty uh, to have had specifically like it was earlier this year that everything's going to be okay came out that it got a uh, big award acclaim. Uh, Kayla Cromer has essentially become a like a whole lot of the autistic community has rallied around her as a a person who is showing that autistic people can play people uh, autistic characters and it's not an issue and they can be really great and they can do it and they can represent themselves out there and uh, that they need more opportunities for that. And Kayla uh, got a lot of comments about like people asking, you know, were you ever contacted? Were you ever? And she's like, no, no, I was never like, this wasn't something that was ever even on my radar. Um, and to have those two kind of things uh, bookend the year, because I was earlier at the beginning of the year and now we're here. And, uh, and it's just this ignorance about representation that they're, that they're asking for. And, and the fact that Sia just came back with, I hear you, but you're wrong rather than I hear you and I'm sorry, I'll do better, is just tragic. Um, not on the same scale, but certainly kind of similar. I, I was wondering <laughs> if, Ryan, you want to talk about what happened with Dan Slott this week. Oh, man. Man, what a week for Mr. Slott. It's a one-two <laughs> punch of Fantastic Four and Marvel 616. Um, so Franklin Richards, for, for all of you listening here, is a mutant, right? Uh, he's part of the, the Fantastic Four. He's the son of the Fantastic Four, but he's a mutant. Um, Mr. Slot decided this week that, because um, uh, Franklin has reality working powers, he's one of the most powerful people on the planet, that when he was young, he just decided he wanted to be a mutant to fit in because it seemed like the cool thing to do because the mutants were like the underdogs. Uh, and Professor X was like, Hey, so like you were lying the whole time, and we're not going to let you in Krakoa. It's not like we just had a mini series written by Chip Zdarsky, literally about this entire effing thing. Like, I was going to say, yeah, no, yo, yeah, no. Uh, Hickman uh, in like X Men issue one like wrote what all the Omega level mutants are, and he wrote on Twitter. This is way before he was like, "This is permanent. This is a permanent thing in my story." It just goes to show this isn't all Dan Slott's fault. That means the editors are not talking to each other either. That's also just a big problem sure. with Marvel. If you guys right. watch that Marvel 616 thing, uh, Dan Slott is not the only problem at Marvel. They have a lot of shit they need well, to work out. You know, what was interesting about what... So Dan Slott also had a, a similar to Saya kind of a Twitter breakdown about what about why he was right and why everyone was wrong to feel bad about yeah. this. Um, and one oh, of the you things know, that as he... Common Slot. Common yeah. Slot. I can't possibly be wrong because I write things and you don't. Uh, he basically said that Franklin Richards is too hard of a character to write. So he depowered him. He, yeah, he literally, it's like the Superman thing of like, man, Superman's too strong of a character. Like, I can't, I don't know how to write Superman. I'm like, so you depower him? That's your solution is you take this character who decades of him being a mutant has been important to him? Like, it's just, it's. Hickman, Mark Millar, like, come on, people. No, like, from the 80s, like, from the 80s, before we, any of us were born, he's been a mutant. Like, it's just been a thing. That's always been a thing. Like again, like the the original '80s X Men FF like uh, miniseries dealt with this stuff too, and I'm just like, it's just it bothers me more that Marvel allowed it to happen. 
that's also the big thing. Marvel's right. It sucks. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um. Uh, da, 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 da. Chaos walking. How about we go to chaos walking next? Uh, Daisy Ridley looks terrible with blonde hair, and I just want to get that <laughs> yeah. out of the way right away. <laughs> I did not know that was her. It was three quarters of the way through that trailer. But <laughs> I thought, is that Daisy Ridley? And then her name popped. I'm like, wow. I don't like her with blonde hair. So this Daisy is based off an extremely popular series of uh, a novel series. Um, very young adult, very loving. Um, and produced by Lionsgate, which apparently they're the ones who they're like, it's like didn't, from Lionsgate, the young adults masterminds apparently. Yeah. Uh, and and didn't like two years ago we talk about this movie as it was in production and it was having a lot of troubles and people were saying this is going to be garbage when it comes out. They lost their director. Yeah. Uh, this looks generic and okay. Uh, and I like that. I, I was like, Mads is in it. And I was like, oh, I didn't know Mads was in this. Yeah. Which um, means he's probably not going to be in it enough. Yeah. He's probably only going to uh, be in it for a little bit. This trailer was dull and uninteresting. And I can't tell you what it's about. Uh, like, I don't mean like what they're doing with the thinking thing. I mean, I don't actually know what the plot of the movie is. I don't know what they're trying to achieve. I don't Girls know don't like, exist. What, the, what the thing is. I, I got it's... that. I, I get the setting, but I don't yeah. know what it's about. I think it's an alien invasion movie. I think that too, but that really wasn't clear. Because at the end, we see like a big ass ship and an alien man. Yes, I yeah, thought that too. And I'm like, ship. and I'm like, but why? Mm. Why am I not understanding that that's what the movie is about in a trailer? Yeah. I'm confused. I will say for a, for because this is a really expensive movie. Like they want this movie to succeed because it's got two big stars in it. But like the 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 idea of having your your telepathic thoughts being broadcasted is not something you often see in a huge budget movie. So for that fact alone, I find it intriguing. Um, because sure. it just it looks like a premise where like yo it looks like it's something like original even though it's based on a book it's something I haven't seen before mm-hmm. um, yeah. will that turn into something good I doubt it uh, I'm I'm very interested in how they handle like uh, gender roles because they're you know one woman who they can't hear the thoughts of but she can hear the thoughts of all men and I'm like well there's that's rife with possibility for that to be mishandled so <laughs> what, what we'll men see. want the yeah. apocalyptic. Uh, uh, so we'll see. That's uh, that. I didn't think this was a well-cut trailer. Um, no, I think and it left me confused and uncertain. Also, it's, it's very be loud. Because <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I didn't have my volume up super high when I was watching this trailer, but it was just like, can this trailer get any louder? But it's directed by Doug Lyman, whose last movie was Edge of Tomorrow. So, like, that guy... No, but he's the one who left. He's the one who left. No, yeah. he directed this movie. Yeah. Oh, no, is he? There's like, oh. there's like... It's a, it's a Zack Snyder, Joss Whedon situation. Oh, no. Hold on. Yeah, like, that was the whole thing. I don't left. know who's making this movie. It's funny because it did say from the from the studio that brought you Edge of Tomorrow. I'm like, oh. No, it's yeah, Doug Diamond is, is, is the working director on it. Who was the original? Who's the director that left then? Uh, Let's see. One second. I am doing some production stuff. <laughs> uh, uh, he's the reshoots man. Doug Lyman okay. is the reshoots so man. Okay, so he's giving he's now. he's been given like directing title on it now. Right, uh, so he fixed okay. it. Um, A or B? B. B. A. 
Well, I got two Bs. Uh, so we can be heroes. Oh, oh. The sequel to Shark Boy and Lava Girl that you've always wanted. Listen, I I have no desire to see this, but uh, goddamn, do I respect Robert Rodriguez as a filmmaker? Right. For real, sure. they do make Machete and Sin City, and then make a bunch of kids movies. Like that yeah. dude just makes whatever he wants, and I I adore it. Like, and not I just mean, that, and and not just that, but to go back to Shark Boy and Lava Girl, who which was critically lauded because of, it was a ripoff of Spy Kids, which was his yeah. own movie. It's the lesser franchise, and to be like, yeah. no, I'm doing that again. It's their kid, Wait. but it's giving me the legacy shit that I want. He directed this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not know that. This is his character. He's, I, a, I, he's I, the real deal. I, okay, I knew Robert Rodriguez directed the Spy Kids films, and I guess I just now learned that he directed Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Taylor yeah, Lautner. Rod- for those of you, for those of you who are dying to know, Taylor Lautner will not be returning as Shark Boy. Uh. But no, Shark Boy. Shark Boy. Let's be clear. Shark Boy will not be played by, uh, voiced by anybody. He will be uh, just body doubled for like a a single set of shots, uh, because <laughs> they want to leave the door open for Taylor Lautner to show up in a possible sequel. Sure. Yo, Pedro Pascal. That's, that's the official yeah. word of what they said. So, oh yeah, yeah, Pedro Pascal's in this. Yeah. 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 Looking, I saw like, him. looking like Chris Pratt. <laughs> I, I'm I'm pretty much in the same camp as Ryan where like I really don't care to see this, but I applaud Robert Rodriguez for just doing whatever he wants. You, you yeah. know, it's like yeah. George Miller directing um happy Mad feet. Max, Mad Max 2, Mad Max 3, Happy Feet. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and then Mad uh, Max 3 Road. I'm sorry, his it is his IMDb is actually Mad Max, Mad Max 2, Mad Max 3, Babe Pig in the Big City. Oh god, I forgot about Babe. Happy Feet, Happy Feet 2, Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> A penguin murder sandwich. Um, and then now Furiosa. Anyway. Okay. All right, let's just do this one. Zack Snyder's Justice League had a new trailer this week that was no, really hard to find. No, was, was this a new trailer? No. <laughs> real quickly. No. Who, who, wait, real quickly. Did anybody see the see it in color or did you see the black and white version? The only one I, I saw was the, the color black color. and white version. What'd you say, what'd you say Ben? The only one that I saw that was available to watch on YouTube was the color version. Okay, so that is not true, actually. So interestingly enough, yes, if you look on YouTube as Zack Snyder's Justice League new trailer, the original trailer that was released will show up. Uh, But his Twitter account does have the new trailer, which is the black and white version, which which is the problem. It is not a new trailer. It is just in black and white. Uh, Also, they uploaded to YouTube this uh, at the same time the correct aspect ratio version of yes. the trailer from the DC thing, because that before was not the correct aspect ratio. Oh. So they uploaded it in color in the correct aspect ratio. And then they uploaded this black and white filtered version. I yes. watched a black and white four by three version on YouTube. That's the one that Zack Snyder put on Twitter. This yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, okay. Real quickly. Uh, I'm against this movie. Wait, wait. The first case. Wait, Ben, it's literally the same trailer, except he put black and white filters on it. Oh, I know. Right. So you're looking at a black and white movie. Let's say let's say you look at an old black and white movie. Boy, those darks are real dark. Boy, those brights are real bright. They're supposed to be. Look at those grays. Look, you can tell what's, what's else. Mad Max has a black and chrome edition. Logan has a black and white version for both of those directors went back through the edit and did their damnedest to make it look like it was shot on black and white film stock. Because when you shoot on black and white film stock, it, ha- it has to have a different lighting, different contrast, different everything to shooting than shooting on, colors, on color film stock. What Zack Snyder has done is click in his program, black and white filter, 
Cool. <laughs> so that looks artistic. Cool. So, if I may, you know what this sounds like a whole lot, and I'm getting uh, war flashbacks because of it. It sounds like when uh, M Night Shyamalan hit the 3D conversion button when he made the last Airbender. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a real bad one. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Right. right. So the thing, the issue is when I'm watching this trailer, I can barely see Superman and the lightning. I can't see dark side from the, from the background at all. Uh, Wonder Woman is wearing a bright white. I'll be right back. Suit. in, in when she is in front of a bright white sunlit background. This is this now, looks if, awful. If, uh, if this, I'm not being devil's advocate, but I will say of, in that three-minute trailer, there's probably five seconds where I think it does look good in black and white. That's because he's a good filmmaker, yeah. uh, a visual filmmaker. But again, five seconds out of a three-minute trailer, like again, you have to shoot for black and white. You can't just turn a switch on. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like. I think Zack Snyder thinks he's so good he can just turn it into black and white and it looks just as good when that's yeah. just not the case. <laughs> I think. I think what's happened here is. Uh, well, exactly that. But like, if he wants to make it black and white, then he needs to go back through the edit and really change the contrast in some of these things. Yeah, he has a quote here. I was kind of wait, hoping to vamp while Sparks comes back because no, he has a quote here that I want because I saw because I watched it in color, and the first like the first again. So you watched yeah, the, okay, I watched, the, I watched the, like the first half of it's the exact same one as the first as the first trailer, and then we got like some stuff with Victor and his dad. Um, that's all in the first trailer. That's in the same trailer. Barry and Iris, yeah, yeah, all first trailer, yeah. Am I not remembering? Because what? Because all the I looked at the date and trailer, but I but I don't think there's any new footage. Oh. No, it's the it is there is an uploaded version of the, the of the the original trailer that was that was released months ago for DC Fandom. It is back on YouTube, but five days ago, so they kind of buried the black and white version. Unless you really go to Zack Snyder's Twitter account. Yeah. Um, now, Sparks, now that you're here, I want to read you this quote. Zack Snyder said, My ideal version of the movie is in black and white IMAX version of the movie. That to me is the most fan centric, most pure, most Justice League experience. Uh, when I think yeah. of the Justice League, I think of no color. Yeah. When I uh, think of, if, if I may, when I think of the Flash, I don't think of bright red, a scarlet speedster. I think of dull. I when I think of Superman and the bright primary colors, shining hope as a beacon of of hope and justice throughout the world, black and white. Black well, we already white. we already knew that from his previous outings with Superman that he doesn't believe in color. Um, <laughs> look, at what what is just like sad? What is sad about this is that it really is like. Zack Snyder is this visual, like cinematography genius. Uh, he is, but he thinks that black and white means art. That it means this is artistic. This is a higher level. That's his. That's his logic. This looks like it's got the the dramatic oomph now. This means high end art uh, because I turned it into black and white post op. Uh, that is stupid. That is so yeah. stupid. And I and I hate how many people I saw on Twitter just going, he's right. This is incredible. And I'm like, no, it's somehow it took went from bad to way worse. Cinema. <laughs> no, uh, this isn't this, this is, isn't the part where earlier when Ryan was like, oh cinema. Yeah. <laughs> this is the uh, exact opposite of that. 
this was also the week where the Steppenwolf picture came out, and uh, I guess he was there. People told me he was in that picture, but I couldn't find him. Took me a minute. <laughs> Did you see the uh, Steppenwolf picture, Ben? Is that the one where his suit is more spiky? Wait, it's yes. the new Steppenwolf design. It says Zack Snyder original. Where he completely design. color blends into the background. Yes, it was that it's one. Spiky. Wild. All right, that's enough of that. Batman Soul of the Dragon is our final trailer. The new Bruce Tim animated feature. Uh, I wish that this was more stylistic to match the tone. I um, agree. I'm, I feel like if you're going to do something that's supposed to have this like hard 70s, like. Yeah, then then be adventurous with the style. Don't do the same thing I've seen in tons of DC movies before stylistically. I find it. I find the style of it dull. It okay. feels. Got it. I was gonna ask it. Does this is this supposed to take place in the seventies? Because yeah. if it is, hell yeah. But if it's not, it's just like, oh, we're kind of trying to be seventies. Yeah. Then... It takes place in the seventies. It okay. feels like a, like a like a, it's it's a martial arts tournament, but with the Batman characters, which is dope. Like it's Enter the Dragon, but with Batman. But if you're gonna do that, like it, yeah, there's not there's no style to it. It's just like a cartoon. Like there's you no... know, you know who should be visually creating that film. Tartakovsky. It's yeah. oh, yeah. oozing style. Think of that Luke Cage comic he did. That's what this should look like. It should look like it's oozing that 70s vibe all over it. It doesn't. It looks like the same thing. And I'm like, why? Why? That's you so got, boring. Uh, it's the most boring animation option I've ever seen. Yeah. Michael J. White is back as Bronze Tiger, which is cool. I like that guy a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like this Chris definitely should have been like, more like 70s style. exploitation. Like yeah. it, it feels like a missed opportunity. Looks cool though. I'm gonna watch it. All right, that'll do it. Now, oh, I'm sorry. Now we are doing New Mutants, uh, the the movie that finally out. Uh, this is not, guys. I don't know why we're doing this again. Uh, we already did this a couple months ago. I don't know if you yeah, guys we remember. We, we did New Mutants already, but we're gonna hear now because apparently nobody believes us that we actually saw the movie. So compare and contrast, and you'll see that they'll be the same. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> The same. All right, let's get into it. Um, full spoilers for the New Mutants that is out now on DVD and Blu-ray. So, full spoilers. Um, I couldn't find a New Mutants comic. Sorry. We fail. Leave. What are you doing here? Get out of here. Go on. Get. We don't want you anymore. <laughs> I mean, I could probably get my New Mutants comic. It's just in my room. All right. Anyway, it's actually the Tenosaurus one with a really cool cover with the magic inside. Right. Cool. This is not that. New Mutants, Fox's final X-Men film. Uh, let's go into it, uh, Ben. Uh, uh, for, first thoughts. Initial first, thoughts. That's it. First thoughts. Um, right after I was done with the movie, I did something else and completely forgot about it. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, Sparks. I thought there were things that I really liked and things that I didn't. And I ultimately just felt like yeah, that was that was all right. That was you know I've seen I've been through worse experiences. Ryan. Um, oh yeah. nope, not done yet. No, go ahead, Ryan. Uh, it's what it's the opposite of that term. Uh, it's greater than the sum of its parts. Uh, like Sparks, I thought there were things I liked about it uh, here and there, but when I look about look at it overall, I think it's just like I thought it was going to be way worse. 
Uh, but I was hoping for it to be better. I found it to be pretty middling most of the way. I found I found it to be more boring than I expected, more than anything, which I was shocked how just kind of bored I was. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, my thoughts, you know, honestly, I'm I saw I've seen it twice now. Uh, I watched it again this morning. Um, I I liked it. I, I don't think it's great. Um, but honestly, I enjoyed myself. I didn't I don't regret watching it either time that I did. Um, I think I'm kind of. Yeah, I think I'm orbiting Sparks. Orbiting Sparks' yeah. uh, feelings. Uh, but honestly, whatever. Well, let's get into uh, it. I, I, I want to start with the racism stuff. Because that was oh. the, like, like off, off podcast, that was the big reason why we talked about not seeing it when it was available to us in drive-ins earlier this year. Um, there was less of it than I thought there was based on the Twitter conversations, which I was grateful for. Uh mm. And I'll, I want to address Ileana's racism towards uh, Danny, which is that I don't inherently find it problematic as a character thing. However, the film has to either have other characters counterbalance it, including Danny or beyond Danny specifically, uh, with saying that's racist uh, and calling out the racism rather than just letting it slide. Because Danny ends up being the only person defending herself, and even then, it's not. It, I think at one point she pushes it as racism, but beyond that, like it's she's letting too many of the comments slide, and that's mm-hmm. a problem. Um, I think it's fine for Ileana to say those things and that be a character trait if you push back against it in the narrative of the film. The other point is that they needed to much, much better represent Danny's culture if you're going to do that kind of racism. Uh, and and provide counterpoints of like Ileana's perspective is super racist. Let us show you how we're actually like caring about the culture and all that. Unfortunately, I don't feel that way. I don't think that they go deep enough on Danny's Native American culture. I don't even think they go close. I really hate that the movie is bookended by this readaptation of the which wolf do you feed story, but turned into a bear and turned into a Native American myth which it isn't, and just given that as like, see, culture. And that that makes the Ileana racism really not uh, have any kind of pushback on it through the film's like construction. And that's why I think the racism is really egregious. Uh, there's nothing I, designed to push back against it. Right. As the, as the guy who, not that you guys don't know these characters now, but like, it, it uh, this these are this is these are really bad characterizations of almost all these characters um and again that's kind of core to x-men movies in general but um iliana uh i i guess i can get over the fact that she's kind of a bitch sometimes but every character in this movie is that way like there's a scene in the middle where literally every character calls each other a bitch and like you're a bitch and like shut up bitch and i'm just like this at times feels like a cw show how bad the drama is and that took me out of the movie so hard because I think the script for the most part is pretty bad. I think it's very generic. And especially the stuff that I want them to dive into, it's all surface level, baby. There's no depth in this movie. It's as it's as deep as a is a is a three-foot pull ball from Walmart. Um the stuff, the the data page stuff with anything that deals with a computer, where it's like uh, uh analysis, oh, we gotta do this, we gotta do this. That seems so mad of the after the fact that we gotta put this in so we don't confuse people about certain aspects of the movie. Um I it if this is Josh Josh Boone's movie, I wish it would have had reshoots because where's the horror movie he promised? The last 15 minutes of the movie? 
Yeah, I will. I will say probably my only, my biggest. I won't say only. My biggest complaint is that it's not scary at all. Not at all. Um, uh, I I will go even further than that and say like I didn't even need it to be scarier than it was necessarily. I I would have liked it to, but I needed it to make the characterization stronger. You have a six person cast, and I don't feel like you go deep enough on any of them. I think the issue with the scary thing with the with the horror thing is that they when they decided on what was going to cause the horror, uh, they don't really they don't really know how that's going to interact with the other characters. So they just kind of like I guess this, and then they're all connected. I guess, and then when this happened, it's all of the th- sure. So it's kind of like they can't really commit on how the 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 reason for this happening uh wouldn't would affect all the other characters um speaking to the horror aspect i think roberto's moment works for me the best which is the mm-hmm. moment in the pool uh when he gets pushed in with the pool with a with a broom i love that Just... no 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 when well yeah but i'm i'm referring to when iliana says you'll have to catch me again and then yeah. uh it, the entity the thing the imagination comes up as the girlfriend he burned uh yeah. it's a shame that the actor playing roberto is uh, as bland as wood in his performance, but um, I thought that that horror moment was pretty good. If you're gonna cast a a person, a character of color without being the person of color, at least make them a good actor if you're gonna do it. Yeah. Good God, man, Roberto! Like, Roberto sucked. Heat uh, man, because that dude, like Roberto Acosta, is. That dude is wicked handsome. That actor, yo, that dude takes a shirt off. Like, yo, okay, you got me. You, you could be Roberto Costa. You just gotta, you gotta speak better, okay? Um, I, I, man, I just, I, I, there, there was no character for me. I think honestly, the best character is probably Rain, and even she, I feel like gets short sighted. Like the stuff with Rain and Danny, uh, I liked a lot, and I was glad that that's where, the, where it was going. I, um, I think for me, it was more Rain and Ileana. Uh, Rain and Danny are my standouts. They're actually the reason why I like the movie. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I, 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 yeah, yeah. Rain definitely. I actually don't have a bad thing to say about Rain. Um, there's um, the 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 kid from Kentucky. What's his name? Johnny. Stranger uh, Things. Yeah, Sam Guthrie. Uh, guys, yeah. accents in this movie. Oh my god. Mm. Yeah, that was. Ileana, uh, Ileana, and Rain are good for the most part. Well, God, for rain for rain it's her natural accent uh no she's british she's not scottish i think she's scottish no Daisy williams is very very game of thrones my man uh yeah. uh but anyway um i can get over the two girls accents fine but man uh that kentucky accent it was it was in and out worse than anything i've ever seen in my life there were some points where he is just like y'all gosh darn gern gern and i'm like and then the next scene he's just talking fine and i'm like Where's the editor looking, checking in these? Oh, <laughs> it's it's that, really bad at times, okay. guys. Some of the accents are atrocious. Okay, so uh, I want to say it was the scene where Ileana's nightmares manifest. Mm-hmm. Um, so Stranger Things guy, whose name I can't remember. Uh, Sam. Blaster, so Sam, he takes off his hat, throws it down, blasts through. No, he doesn't. The scene he is in, no, he his doesn't. hat is back on his no, head. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. I yeah. knew you were going to bring this up. I knew you were going to bring this up, so he I was ready for this. He down and, th- and blasts off. No, he he takes it off, holds it in his hand, then does, then blasts off. Because he doesn't want to lose the hat, because if he shoots past, the hat's going to fly off. Mm. 
I thought he threw the hat down. So I'm I'm wrong apparently. No, he grabs the hat and holds it on the side. Uh, you know who I don't think are compelling villains at all? The smiley men. You know why? Because when a kid with a broken hand and a cane, or excuse me, in a cast can beat you up, where's the threat? Where's the threat? He didn't even have to Hulk out or cannonball or anything. He beat him with his cast. Lame. 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 I, I agree. Well, he, you know, he, um, he does the he does the cannonball through the through the hallway in one scene, which I I like that sequence. I thought that was cool. Yeah, after, yeah, after he beats a dude with his cast. Um I wanted to jump back to Danny and Rain. Uh, the moment where they're under the force field and the rain is hitting it is uh, honestly that that was one of the moments where I went cinema. Uh, <laughs> to, to put it right way, it wasn't the full hit, but it went ooh, mild, um, mild. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was a really pretty moment, and I'm and and again, like the only thing holding me back on the Danny Rain stuff. Uh, because it was also my favorite element of the film, and I'm glad that they at least went far enough to make it an overtly romantic thing. I'm glad that that was there. However, I still, this is across the board, but especially with those two, I'm like, if if anybody needed this, those two, I wish I understood who these characters are. I don't know them. I'm not allowed to actually deeply connect with them. I understand Danny is a Native American descendant and carries all this fear and that kind of thing. I understand that uh, Macy, her character of Rain, uh, transforms into a wolf, has been here a long time, and had a bad experience with a preacher. Cool. I don't know these characters, though. It's not there. The depths of who they are aren't there. And in this small of a cast you need to have strong characterization, at least for those two. I, I love that they're watching Buffy DVDs all the time whenever they're watching TV. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know what? I, re, speaking of Rain, I want to say like a moment that I actually do think is pretty is pretty scary. Uh, with a small S. Scary with a small S. Um, is when she's in the confessional and the door opens and, and then the door closes and you just hear, witch. I was okay. like, oh, that's that's a little tingle. You got, yeah. you got me a little. It's like, hmm, that's that's spooky. That was a good. That was a good bit. There, there's a that lot of like. Me. There's a lot of good nuggets of things like that, and I, I will say, like, I'm not overly fond of the characterization of Ileana either, but I do think Anna Taylor Joy is giving 110, and I at least yeah. appreciate yeah. that. Um, yeah, she brings a lot out of <clears throat> out of that script. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about Ileana if you if you want to move on. Oh, go ahead. Um, so Ileana, uh, I like Ani Taylor Joy. I didn't love the character of Ileana. I do have a question about her relationship with Lockheed, though. Are we led to believe that Lockheed was always alive? I think he was trapped in limbo, and that was just like she was just using the puppet until she can get the real Lockheed. But the, she talks to the puppet. Yeah, I think she's just crazy. And the puppet talks to her, so she's just insane. No, she's just yeah, she's just actually crazy. But yeah. when Lockheed gets hit by the bear, she picks up the puppet. That's where that's where I lose it. Yeah, I think I think Lockheed is supposed to be a creation she pulls out of limbo, that the mm. puppet turns into. I, I in the context oh. of the film, that's how I understand it. It's that's not what it is should be, but that's what I understood. So Ileana's backstory, and again, this is its own movie. It doesn't matter, but Ileana created the entire realm of limbo herself. Mm. Right. That's wild. That's pretty wild. Because in the comic, she gets taken to limbo <laughs> by a super and is raised there she, it's she didn't create the demonic land of limbo i think that is 
I guess it doesn't really matter to the story, but I just found it really odd. Like, wow, she literally created this entire dimension. How come she's not getting out of here easier? Well, yeah, there's the there's the issue of like the the power set. Like, you can only go so far with that. Reyes has a force field over the thing. If she can go to limbo, like, why can't she just leave? She literally uh, teleports like outside of a room. I'm like, so can you just do that all the time anywhere? Yeah, like <laughs> when she gets force? stuck in solitary. Go like, ahead. Like when she gets stuck in solitary, it's like you can just you could just bamf out of there essentially. Why are yeah. you so mad that you're like mm, I'm in solitary? It's like you can get out of there. Um, the the force field restrictions are very poorly explained uh, yeah. in this episode in this movie, uh, and uh, Il- on the topic of Ileana, she feels like a character where I don't I don't know who she's made for because she's not satisfying the comic fans of her, but she's not elaborated on enough to to make sense to people who aren't familiar with her. Sure. I don't know who she's for. Um she also it seems like she has a new backstory where she was part of a child trafficking ring. Sure. We're led to extrapolate, which we don't really get a whole lot of. I just thought no. it was a weird cult. No, uh, it's just more Mr. Sinister set up four movies of Mr. Sinister. Well, I don't think, okay, so I, I don't think, I'm not talking about that because I want to talk about that in its own separate thing. Um, but when we see her as a child, I think the smiling men are meant to be like these human traffickers that had stolen her at birth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're representative, like, yeah, they're evil men. Which is why, she, which why she, she sees them as smiling men and not, you know, it's yes. similar to Hill House. Yeah. Uh, the evolution manner, of Danny. Sorry. The evolution of Danny and Ileana's relationship is very uh, stilted and forced. Oh. Um, it's just like this one interaction and then Ileana decides to suddenly open up and be like, I'll confess a ton of things to you that are deeply personal and I've been standoffish about it and I'll be standoffish about it again later. And I'm like, this is, this is just poorly written. There's uh, the montage. No there's the montage that I just hate that it's like every kid's thing has to have a montage of all of them getting along when literally five minutes ago you were yelling at each other. I do not believe yeah. that you guys are BFFs now just because you you drug the doctor. Or, um, or the fact that they go up and up to the like the attic and it's like, oh, this is the only place the doctor can't watch us. Doctor's clearly watching him. The very next day, she's like, I want to talk about obedience. That could have been a great part of like, hey, I know about your little secret hideout of the attic. I have been allowing you, but we're going to have to stop that. And then it's like, all of a sudden, boom, we're going to get in trouble for this huge party we're throwing after spiking your teeth. It's like, she wow. doesn't. She doesn't want them to know that the attic is uh, yes. been uh, watched. Uh, in, in defense of the montage moment a little bit, Ryan, I'll, I'll push back on it just a little because I thought the same thing, but at the same time, I'm like, most of the time of that montage, they focus on uh, Danny and Rain together and Sam and Roberto together, like they're already kind of pairs that get along and they don't, they don't diverge too far from that. But I know what you mean. Cause the element still is there of a group. We, uh, which doesn't work for <laughs> me, but, um, but, but they did like kind of break it up. Uh, okay. But I know what, I know what you're saying. And I agree uh, overall, like the vibe, honestly, the vibe of the way it came up felt just misplaced and inappropriate. Yeah. Um, okay. So Ryan brought it up a bit. Let's talk about Mr. Sinister. Um, this is another example of the X-Men f- films building to nothing because they always seem to want to build to Sinister, but they never quite made it. So literally, this is like the third movie or like fourth movie. 
Yep. Is this is the the footage of the kids that Danny sees? Is that footage from Logan? I, I thought say, so too. No. Yes, oh. it is. So yes, this was supposed to be a trilogy, and it was supposed to tie into future weird stuff with like the kids from Logan and all that shit. It was supposed to. That's supposed to directly be a Logan tie-in. Yes. Well, it's a it's a Logan tie-in, but that's not the footage from Logan. Yeah, it's not direct footage from Logan, but it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be referencing that. Yes. Yeah. Because okay, one of those shots Logan. sure looked just like a shot out of Logan, but okay. Um, also, this is supposed to take place in the future, and they mentioned the X Men. Not the, the future. Aren't a thing. It's not the future. It's the present. Oh. Um. The, the, th- the whole thing about Sinister, X-Men Apocalypse ended with an Essex tease. Uh, Logan has an Essex tease. This has an Essex tease. They always Deadpool wanted 2. to get to Sinister. What? Deadpool 2. Deadpool 2 has an Essex tease. Uh, uh, the Essex Corporation is the uh, asylum or the, the orphanage. Yeah. So, like, they always wanted to get to Mr. Sinister, but they never did. I love Mr. Sinister so And much. now they it's never not, will. It's not even fair. Marvel, if Marvel's first villain isn't Mr. Sinister, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> Let's um, do it. Yeah, that's the that's like one of my other problems with this film is this is like, you know, you you kept blue balling us with Mister Sinister. You've done it four times. Like, why why do you keep doing this to us? Come yeah, on, don't do I it. And even though now I haven't read a whole lot of Mister Sinister, but I have read some thanks to the current X Men books. Is like I want to see Mister Sinister now. I do wonder if the reshoots would have added Sinister. Apparently, McAvoy was supposed to be in it too, like actually be in it. Yeah. Um, because like yeah, they mention X Men stuff, and I'm like, that's I guess that's cool and stuff, but like uh, I don't know, man. Um, I I just felt like everything was written in a really generic, bland way. Um, I I felt like uh, the antagonist of Reyes was weak as hell. Um, there was really nothing to grab onto there of any interest. Uh, yeah she just she just was a nothing she was just a presence that i it it, sometimes it wasn't even that she was a negative presence she just kind of existed and it it was completely superfluous uh what her intentions were with the with the interactions with them she was like trust me if you're gonna go into making your villain also a mutant who is targeting other mutants do more with that because the revelation that that Reyes is a mutant as well, that she's the one doing the force field shit, should be a big deal. And I don't think it's a big deal in the movie at all. No, I agree. I think they really don't even talk about that. Oh, you're a mutant too? They brush over it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's it's, one of you. Why are we talking about this? You know, that was one of the things, because it's like she puts, the, she turns the force fields or she stops the force field right in the beginning of the movie when uh, Ileana's about to slash with a sword. It's like, excuse me, she's a mutant and you're not talking about that. What? What? It's it's just a weird like like even one line would have fixed it for me. But I'm like, you're not going to talk about this lady who's a mutant. What what's going on? Um, the the third act conclusion of uh, Danny getting control of the demon bear and uh, everything kind of working out, I felt had no impact. Like it didn't actually mean anything. I don't know what Danny learned other than like I saw my dad. That means all right, I got it. It looked good. It didn't, it didn't have good. it didn't there's no emotional arc to what happens to Danny about why she's distressed and that why she isn't distressed. Uh, a good movie would have tied it into her relationship with Rain or something, but they didn't even go for that. It's just it's just a nothing. Uh, yeah, it's, of... it's just like you and when she's in the dreamscape, essentially the like the the 
the dog version of Rain runs by. She goes to the tree, and then her dad just shows up, and he's like, "Oh no, you're bigger." And I was thinking, I was like, maybe the demon bear's gonna grow smaller because that's why that's the significance of her necklace. It doesn't do anything. She's just like, "No," and it's like, "What?" Uh, I watched an interview with with the director, and uh, half the budget got cut. So mm-hmm. I can imagine what this movie could have been, but also like Warlock was in the original script. And you guys haven't seen much of Warlock, but Warlock is part of the the phalanx. He needs that go- weird uh, monster guy who hangs out with Doug Psylocke. Uh, he's Cypher. Doug Sword. Um, he's yeah. Doug Sword. And he's Doug Sword. Sword, yeah. And I'm like, man, if that guy was in this movie, I can't even imagine what it would be. It'd be so different. Um, and unfortunately, it just seems like either the studio didn't believe or like they, just, they, they didn't think they can go this big with it. So they had to make it kind of small and generic. Which things? Yeah, I just I don't feel like uh, the movie is structured well to gain any new fans for these characters who are oh unfamiliar with them. I don't feel like it sells you on them at all, dude. Like, I posted an image on my Twitter of Sam and Bobby from Jonathan Hickman's Avengers run, and those two guys are the the funniest, coolest, dopest dudes in comics. And like, I know you're doing like a horror story, but like. I, I barely, I didn't see any of that, specifically Sam. I saw literally no character in Sam except, oh, I killed my dad. And that's almost all, that's half the characters. Oh, I killed somebody. And I'm like, man, that's such a bummer because the new mutants are radical. Yeah, he has that, uh, radical. he has that admittedly, I think, uh, it's, it's his best emotional moment in the film when he explains that I killed my dad to Roberto. And Roberto, the actor playing Roberto, has this just, blank expression of uh, return to it and it's part- partially the script which makes him leave but the actor also carries nothing about registering yeah. that information or feeling for that information or or recognizing and and uh, and paralleling that information for what it means for him uh, and his use of his powers that killed somebody uh, and I'm like this is just it's so devoid of those emotional connections which is what this should be built on because when you have, small casts that are intimate like this they need to be intimately emotionally connected and and uh interlocking with each other's stories and that's just not happening here <clears throat> yeah. like, like i said earlier this after i saw this movie i went to i just did some stuff around the house put up some more art and i and i had to keep reminding myself i was like oh yeah i watched the new mutants today and i just got and then i started watching the raider game and I completely and almost nearly forgot about the movie because that this movie—I don't know if I'm because I'm spoiled on the new Mut- on the current line of New Mutants books because I enjoy those books. I enjoy those characters. I love Ileana, and as I'm watching this movie, the only time I'm like I'm trying to think is like, yeah, Ileana kind of is like this in the books, but that's not her fully. And also, what I, I get now, how come her arm just turns into armor, and when she draws her sword, uh, it's. Comic book bullshit. She is one of the most, you could say, overpowered. Like, <clears throat> like I hate to Mary Sue, but like, she's one of those characters who can, like, she's super strong. She's invulnerable. She can teleport. She has a magic sword. She has a dragon. Like, no, she's kind of got it all. Here's my thing. So, when she's about to fight the demon bear, she says, and like, that bear is magic. And she turns around, her eyes are glowing blue. And she's like, So, my, I was expecting, like, okay, if her arm can turn to armor, how come she doesn't die in this awesome suit of it's, armor with like the two horns on her head? Ben. She comes from the same world where Wanda was a mutant for 40 years and had magic. Mm. Like, you know, it, it, Wanda, Wanda w- was magic, but she's also a mutant. So she has magic and oh, she's yeah. a mutant. Huh. It's the same thing. Like, you know, there's a character that has magic and is a mutant. 
No, but I'm Basically, asking yeah, how come yeah. the, the filmmakers didn't give her like this sick ass suit of armor. That oh, she's never comic. had that. That's not. She's not never had comic. that. Because that's not the character. Again, it's a stupid. It's a stupid comic thing. Why did she only have one cool arm? That's just how it is in the comics for forty years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's. We're just saying, like, that's not the fault of the film. Right. It's the fault of 40, 40, 60 years of writing a comic book. <laughs> fault of our stars. Oof. Um. Yeah. You know, I can honestly, I can bullshit argument it for you real quick, Ben. She only needs the armor on that arm because it's the only arm that carries the sword. That was my right. just thinking, yeah. yeah. I thought Rain, when he's half transformed, uh, <clears throat> looks dope. I love like he's like kind of like half werewolf Maze Williams with the dope eyes. I thought uh she, yeah, just her eyes. Yeah. I think she's my like the best translated character. Again, not much not much there to translate, but I think I think she was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, which um, helps Danny again. Like my my biggest problem with Danny is both like not exploring her arc well enough and not uh, culturally representing her while kind of appropriating the ideas of Native American culture into the plot that they want to have. The thematic, the fucking two bear thing really just gets yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Because the second I heard that uh, that legend, I was like, it's supposed to be a wolf. Uh, Ryan, I have a question about Demon Bear. Yeah. Uh, anything familiar about Demon Bear in this movie from the comics? Oh, 100%. Yeah, they're the Bill Sienkiewicz's first arc on um, <clears throat> on the mutants. Uh, so before that, it was a kind of like a more traditional book. And then when he came on, he turned it into a more horror book with the Demon Bear saga. Uh, so for the most part, like when we did our fake review, I was able to accurately predict that Danny was the one who did all the stuff because that's what her powers were from the comics. And this is what happened in the comic too. The Demon Bear manifests and it's something they have to fight. Um, much better in the comics. <laughs> okay. Well, that's what I was wondering if they if yeah. Demon Bear was was not that in the comics, but I was just. Curious. Oh no! Actually, if anything, the Demon the Demon Bear itself is really well translated. Uh, good good yeah. looking effect. Cool. Yeah, I thought it, I thought the Demon Bear was really cool. Um, I I think about just because I think it's a good parallel uh, in the same you know series creation of similar thematic feelings of the first season of Legion. And I think back to the way that they handled a lot of asylum conversation in that, and that is what this movie needed. It needed that kind of recognition of, you know, uh, we are all characters living in this moment, but we are diverse. We all have different traumas. We all have different uh, emotional states of being, and they don't go on that. And I'm like, one episode of Legion has more emotional girth between the characters than this whole film does, uh, yeah. and and that sucks. <laughs> Uh, that that's the state of it, but it is. New Mutants. Yeah. Uh, I hope you weren't ready for me to talk because I'm eating. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, anybody. Uh, like it's. Hey, I, guys, if you, I don't uh, think I, I don't think it's as bad as we were being led to believe, uh, no. but I do think it's just kind of middle of the road. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which again, for, that, for with, me, is even worse because I'd rather remember it for being bad <laughs> than forget it for being. You know, I was, I was saying that I, I, I do think the the bad, the really bad score on Rotten Tomatoes is is probably because of the three year hype. Sure. You know, we're all yeah. waiting for what this movie's gonna be, and then to, to finally what, what have is, it. And, huh? What is it on Rotten Tomatoes? Thirty six, I think. Yeah, I wouldn't go that bad. Uh, I would probably if if I were if I were to guess a Rotten Tomatoes score, I would honestly say probably fifty minimum. Yeah, yeah I would say like yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think if this had come out in 2017, that's what it would be sitting at. <laughs> oh, man. 2017. What a year. Justice League came out. 
Quack. Wait, I thought it was supposed to come out 2018. 2018. Was it 2018? I did a whole bit about it earlier. That was years ago, man. I don't know, guys. This movie got pushed back six times, so it's really hard to... It's 2023. Um, Okay. My final thought is, honestly, I would like to see a sequel, and I'm kind of bummed that we're not going to get one. I... I I like I like all the actors enough. I especially really like Rain and Ileana. I just don't like the scripts that they were given. And it really bums me. It makes me wonder with that Deadpool 3 thing. Like, yeah. can you salvage actors? Uh, can is it possible? Can we do this, America? Yeah. Sparks. Okay. Sparks, were you saying something? Um, I think uh yeah, I think um that what can you not hear me? No, we we're waiting for you. I think you're delayed. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, I'm probably delayed. Okay, so that's what's happening. Um, Sparks, what did I just say? How long did it take? Too long. Um, <laughs> oh, no. oh no. So, uh, what I would say is just that I felt like um, the film has good performances i don't think roberto's actor is good at all personally i would lose him entirely uh and recast him race appropriately as well uh but i do think like on taylor joy um uh uh, macy williams and i think sam guthrie's character are all like trying to give strong performances and it could work and they could have that right dynamic i have a really hard time pinning down if the actor playing danny would be more like better serviced by a better script or if she would need to be recast i'm really not sure because they just leave her so so uh standard and generic in her path without any kind of ups and downs to it so it's very hard for me to gauge where she would belong on that um and and i kind of agree like i'd I'd rather just see I, i don't need a sequel but i'd rather just see like those actors get to play those roles in a better written, more constructed for their characters film. Uh, because I do think there's glimmers of good stuff with them and it's just never allowed to reach its true heights, uh, which just sucks. Should I ask you to rate it now? Are you uh, feeling yeah, that? Are you uh, feeling ready? Yeah. 5.5. Uh, ben, I guess. We'll go. <clears throat> Final thoughts and rate it. Uh, this movie could have been good, but it's, it's like, like Ryan said, it's it's middling of the road. It's it's forgettable. Like after I was done watching it, I went to go do other stuff, and I completely almost for, completely forgot about it. And it's it's a five. It, I really wish, I really wish Sinister would have showed up in some way, shape, or form. But of course, they're like, oh, we're gonna tease him, we're gonna tease him. Wait, here, this is the final X Men film. It sucks that the final. Well, they didn't X-Men know when they were making it that it was the final X Men film. Yeah, tr- true. But at the same time, it's like you have such a banger of a movie that is the original X-Men and most of the film, over half the films that came afterwards are good, are decent movies. And then this is the whimper you end at. It sucks. Well, again, didn't know it was going to be the end. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't know. And now Marvel and now Disney officially owns the studio. They officially own the rights. So I'm just hoping that Marvel and Disney can make better X-Men films after this. So yeah, five. <clears throat> And Deadpool 2 came out in 2018. So there would have been this and New Mutants for two sinister like teases. So they, man, they better have had sinister in the next movie. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with these guys. Like I, I don't, I thought it would have been worse, but I sure was hoping for better. Uh, I'll give it a six. Let's see if I can do, if I can. 7.5. Don't kill me. (laughs) 
Hey, it's the same score as his house. Your favorite movie of the year, baby. It's all right. We're all different. We're all oh, born did different. I really say that for, his, for? Did I really say for, say that for his house? You sure I did. I wouldn't say they're the same quality. I don't want that to mean. I, I always rate movies on. No, I know, I know. Uh, for the audience, my rating system is bullshit. Um, anyway. <laughs> All of our movies are bullshit. It's superficial. Who really cares what a, what number grade these movies get? True. I give it eleven. Actually, actually if anything, we probably should probably start adopting the downright nerdy the way they get like a letter grade. I freaking hate letter grades. No, I don't like letter grades either. Never mind then. No, letter grades suck. <laughs> they suck in school when you get them. You, they suck in rating when you do them. No offense, okay. downright nerdy. We love Great. you. One's bad. I get it. Oh, okay, okay. Never Especially mind. because it's like. The, the difference between D and F, D, F, E. What happened to E? Sorry. American American school system shit. Let's move on to our book club then. Hey, welcome to the Fake Nerd uh, Comic Shop. Yeah, hi. Um, Do you have any books? Uh, can you be a little more specific? Um, Anything readable? Um, <laughs> Ryan forgot his book, uh, but it is Ryan's. It is Ryan's book club this week. Hold it up again. Let's see that green screen. Look at that. Oh, God. Look at that. Hey guys, my name is Ryan, and I picked the Batman book club. I picked Batman and Robin, written by Grant Morrison and drawn by Frank Whiteley and Philip Tan. This came out in 2006. This came out after uh, our good boy Bruce Wayne was killed by Darkseid in a really cool way in Final Crisis. So uh, Dick Grayson's Batman now, and he's taking up the ward of uh, Damian Wayne. And they just got a, they go up to a lot of shenanigans with some circuses and some Jason Toddies and some Scarlets. And uh, I quite like this era of Batman. Uh, I'm just curious, what did you guys think of the Boom Booms? This was my, this uh, reading this, this was great to revisit because this is my favorite era of DC Comics in general. Same. Yeah. Between 2000 and 2011, I think DC Comics was really on a roll. That honestly, that and Marvel, it's like peak of your continuity, your legacy characters, all that good shit. And then you had to do <laughs> the difference. There is, I think, Marvel is currently in another great period. Arguably, DC is not. Hey, just give it, just give it a year, baby. You know how it how it works. It's true. Um, yeah, so it was really cool to revisit this era because I really liked this stuff. This was the last thing I ever read of Grant Morrison's Batman, not because I was disinterested, but just because I just stopped for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, so it was really fun to revisit. I really like this dynamic. Damian Wayne is my favorite Robin. So, ben? What you got, ben? Uh, this is the first time I ever read um, uh, Dick Grayson as Batman. I knew Dick Grayson became Batman um, through osmosis. I think the only Morrison's Batman. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Look at that! Look at the black glove. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, I quite enjoy. I quite enjoy this. A whole lot. Um, I do like the di- the dynamic. I can one of the, the things I really like is how Dick Grayson in this book he's he's doing his best and like Commissioner Gordon kind of knows he's like hmm, this isn't the same Batman, but you know it's great. We're just gonna give this guy a shot. And you can t- I can even though it's like the first six issues, I can tell that this is like really weighing heavily on Dick because he's trying to do the best and he's also trying to be a mentor to Damien because as we all know, Damien idolizes his dad. Before this, there was a mini series called Battle for the Cowl, which wasn't written by Grant Morrison, but was about like all these different people trying to take the Batman mantle. And Dick Grayson was staunchly against it. He did not yeah. want to take it up. 
Yeah, he's like, nope, nope. And then eventually it's just like, here you go. He's like, God dang it. Well, it's, he did it because Bruce specifically requested him to. Like, yeah. Bruce was like, you are the person mm -hmm. I trust most to take over as Batman. Um, yeah. Whereas any number of the Bat family would have been more than happy to be to pick it up, and Dick wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like people like uh, like Jason and, and Tim, like they want to be Batman. Yeah. Dick, he wants to be his own dude. He's like, nah, I don't. Batman sucks. I don't like being Batman. Uh, and then he dies. So what are you gonna do? What you got, Sparks? Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this. I thought Grant Morrison does a really good job of uh, characterizing these the relationship between these characters and uh he makes a real gross pig oh god professor pig oh, frank baby. quietly frank quietly's art is beautifully disgusting sometimes he i there are very few people who draw ugly people so beautifully yes. because most of comics are like hot people like you know you look at x-men those are all hot people this book's full of ugly dudes and i love it like, I love it so much because you rarely get to see the wrinkles and, like, Alfred's old as shit and Dick is kind of ugly. And Damien's horrifying. <laughs> you know what? It, it's weird because I know Frank Quiley's pedigree. I know he's an amazing artist. Like, one of my favorite books that he's drawn is All-Star Superman, another Grant Morrison conjunction. But for some reason, it, I, I feel the same way every time I see Jay Lee's art. Jay Lee, amazing artist. Love it. I just don't personally like it. It's I not, don't like Jay. I don't like Jay Lee's art either. I, I'm no, it's fair. I mean, the same with uh, Frank. I mean, don't get me wrong. Frank Whiteley, he is a good artist. He deserves his mm. spot on the DC Pantheon. But at the same time, it's like I just like when I was seeing the scene when Professor Pig was like dancing in front of Robin. I was just like, I was kind of repulsed. You know, there's a there's, a there's a there's a job. Then, if you were actually, he, he did his job. There's a there's a page in Black Hammer where Colonel Colonel Weird. Uh, slips out of Jeff Lemire's ear and decides to go into Grant Morrison's ear. It's a wild panel. Mm. Beautiful. That's Black I, Hammer uh, for you. I think so. This this book is like a a summer blockbuster event book. Like it's a number one. Like, it, but it feels like a big book. Like the first page is the onomatopoeia of the boom boom of of behind the car. Like mm. these first this first issue is like seriously like not like one of the greatest comics ever made. But in terms of being a first issue. Like of setting the groundwork for your characters are who your villains are the new status quo who the side characters are this is one of the best uh i love dick grayson as batman i told you guys this so many times how much i love him um he's my favorite batman because he's a batman with the flaws he's a batman who who will make a mistake and in this book he makes several mistakes that almost cost him his life or, da or damien's life and i really love that dick is a guy who's like he will do what bruce asked him to do if you want me to be batman i will do it but you know i'm not gonna be happy about it that's I'm it's gonna um, suck. I have to raise your kid, and I'm gonna do my best, but I'm not you, Bruce, and that sucks mm -hmm. that you chose. Don't choose. But he also he also has moments where he's having fun. Uh, oh, you know, God. he's still Nightwing at heart. So when he's holding the toad over the or the thing, is like we're 300 feet from the air, and he drops him, and it's just bloop. <laughs> yeah, uh, being being part of the the circus like gives him an insight that Batman can never have or Bruce can never have. So like he starts talking to Alfred about like, he starts using like lingo of like a circus lingo. He's like, yeah, back when I used to rope with these guys and I'm like, man, this is cool. This is another type of a Batman that we don't get. Uh, and you, it's like a new you, rope gallery. Uh, you know what it is? It's a, uh, it's a breezier Batman. It's a Batman who doesn't have a chip on his shoulder when he's engaging yeah. with uh, the, the criminals of Gotham. Uh, and that just feels lighter in a sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, 
Oh, I had something. Oh, uh, this, so this this collects two arcs: a Professor Pig arc and a, and a Jason Todd arc. Um, I like some of the some of the allusions to the uh, to the phone call in the, in this arc. I thought that was fun. Oh man, this Jason Todd stuff is so good. It's really funny. Uh, this is coming out. Sorry, I reread this as like the three Joker stuff was happening because like this is the direction I posted on Twitter like a while ago. I was like, man, I wish Jason Todd was would have just stayed a villain because that is such a more uh, that is a more fascinating thing to me is like oh the Robin who failed or the, the Robin who lost and the Batman who failed and like I think that is such an awesome idea instead of this guy who's like oh I'm just gonna be Batman and not kill but I will kill but I won't kill but I will kill I just find right. it more interesting when he's like no I'm gonna be I am Batman's failure and this is what it looks like I do yes. not disagree with that I really I really like how Grant Morrison wrote Jason Todd however and I have to get this off my shoulder I've had it on my shoulder for so many, so for so long I hate this costume oh I love it. I, oh, hate really? this Jeff, I hate this costume so much. Oh, that's okay. I, it's like, I like it so much more than his modern costume so much. I, I, think I love I love his initial New 52 costume. Honestly, I really love it. Yeah. Uh, his his Grant Morrison costume, it's just the the white with the cape with the with the goofy helmet. It just doesn't work for me. That's funny because because I actually really liked his uh his like Red Hood slash I like his his like hero Jason the hero Red Hood costume. But I also kind of like the villain one, especially since it's just a, just a giant cylinder, a giant red tube on top of his head. I do like when he takes it off and he's just like, you know, I'm losing my hair because Batman made me dye my hair black. Mm. I love it. That's so disgusting, Bruce. What yeah. are you doing as a child? Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, he screwed, so he screwed up, Jason. Yeah, he totally did. Yeah. Overon Sexton, you guys. Yeah, you guys, cool. Overon Sexton is the coolest guy. He's in like the next like three volumes of Batman. He's a secret character. I'm not going to tell you who he really is. Uh, I remember when that came detective. out. I remember when that issue came out. The issue that you're talking about. That was wild. Uh, yeah, like you, he's get he's introduced in like issue four, but you you find out who he is in like issue seventeen or something. Uh, it's mm -hmm. dope as hell. Um. I think the art isn't as good in the second volume because uh, it's Philip Tan, who is kind of like a like a Frank Wiley, but not as good. So his his ugly people are kind of just actually ugly, specifically <laughs> his Damien. Like there's one Damien panel that's like, oh, you, you should have redrew this. It's bad. Um, but like I can't I can't get mad at it. I couldn't do that. You know, it's so that's good. why I asked if um, the Professor Pig stuff was the only part that we need to read for this book club. Because when because yeah. we had three issues and then we changed artists, so because I was thinking like wait, but trades normally go for six, and we just changed the artists. Is this the end of the of what we're supposed to read? Because that's why I was confused. That's yeah. why I asked earlier. Frank Quietly is one of those guys who who because his work is so detailed, he literally takes twice as long. So any Frank Quietly book is delayed. So it's actually very smart for him to just do three issues and then give him a time to do the next three issues. Because uh, otherwise, this book would have been delayed until infinity. DC oh, is really yeah. is DC is really great at trade uniformity. Trades yeah. are six issues, mm -hmm. never five, never four, unless they were specifically written to be that way. Trades are always yeah. six issues. I love it. Um, so it's it's a safe bet with that one. Okay. I um, Grant Morrison he he likes to do he likes to try he likes to implement these ideas right. to see if they stick. Um, in X Men, he made it um, mutants as a culture, like like mutant music and mutant fashion, and, and like uh, humans appropriating that, right? So in this, it's a concept of Batman as a brand, and I think that idea is awesome. And Jason Todd's like, it's all about branding, baby, and he has to, like he's reading these self help books and he's like making commercials, and he's like, yeah. we don't need crime stoppers, we need crime killers, and I'm like, 
this is this is such a unique road that I just like I love it so much because again like Jason Todd for the next 10 years is just doing the same mm-hmm. thing kind of and I'm like this is just at least it's something different where he's like yeah. I know I fail at least I'm gonna try to do something what, Dick, what you're, just a, thing, you're just a shadow what's the thing he says uh he, he says if you think I'm doing a better job than Batman call this number if not call this number but if you call this number you get to see Batman unmasked and naked yeah and yeah. all the old ladies like boom you can see naked of course i'm calling <laughs> uh thing for yeah. death in the family ladies yeah no the way graham orson writes jason todd is i actually really dig because um and and the way that they do it it's it's i have to keep reminding myself that grant morse is now non-binary his pronouns are they them it's it's i'm so used to saying he but it's 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 they now hey man we're, we're learning it's okay yeah so the way that they wrote Jason Todd is just because I'm used to Scott Lobdell, Jason Todd. That's where I really started reading Jason Todd was New 52, Scott Lobdell stuff. Um, just to see Jason Todd just be like Batman's a brand. Because at first I was like, is this the real Jason Todd or is it just a guy impersonating Jason Todd? Because the way he talks about Batman the brand, about all this other stuff, is like, whoa, this is kind of right. It, it's it's different. It's weird. It fits and it's different. That's the thing that really stuck with me with the Jason Todd. And then once revealed that surprise, it really is Jason Todd. It's like, oh, like when he has the gun to um, bat to um, Dick Grayson's chest, he's like, I know you have Kevlar and you have carbon fiber under that, but this is still going to hurt. Bang. It's funny that I, I bring up the, the, the abandoning ideas thing because he doesn't I, I abandon the idea of Batman as a brand because what's the theory he does after this? It's Batman Incorporated. Batman around the world. So I'm like, oh, Grant, you did do it. You're so smart. I was about to say because this was a precursor to Grant to because Grant wrote Batman Inc. Yeah, which came out after this before yeah, the New Fifty Two relaunch. Yeah, and then after the New Fifty Two relaunch, and then slide sliding into it. Yes, yes. Did um, keep writing the new Batman Incorporated? Batman uh, Grant Morrison came back in the New Fifty Two to finish Batman Incorporated. Okay. Yeah, I had like I think like twelve issues and then like wrapped up. Because yeah, I know yeah. that's when Damien died. That was with Chris Burnham. Okay, because I know. Oh, big, that's right. Yeah, the, I know the big Grant Morrison book was was Superman Action Comics. That's what he was writing. Oh, uh, the Flamingo and El Pedente, which is like this this super evil uh, like Mexican cartel, and like. Mm-hmm. There's like this pink plane where these this dude is just like eating the faces off of these like Spanish like celebrities. And I'm like, what is this guy gonna be? And then he's just like a pink flamingo man. And I'm like, Grant Morrison, wow. Like who's indestructible with sharp teeth? With like sharp Yeah, teeth. like he's just like, I have it real quick. I have it back here. Um like Professor Pig, Flamingo was another throwaway character from Batman 666 who came alive in my head and demanded to be muscled his way into my new story. And he's like, I love the idea of a terrifying, amoral, brain-damaged monster who was still self-aware and self-conscious enough to dress in pink and choose the emblem of a graceful flamingo. And he's like, because like the contrast of beauty and death, he thought that was fascinating. And I'm like, no, you're right. That dude has a whip. <laughs> he, he, oh, in here, I didn't mention, he basically wanted the, the, uh, he wanted to make a Zorro type villain. That's why he looks mm-hmm. like Zorro. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yo, man, that's yeah, cool. Man. Pink plane. Uh, yeah. This, I, uh, I, I yeah. This I, so I, I picked this as my book club. And as I was, I was reading this earlier this week, I was like, man, I want to reread Batman Grant Morrison. So I got the big volume one on the bus. There's two more of these I'll eventually buy. Uh, oh my God. He wrote a lot of Batman, you guys. Uh, I'm still holding out hope for a complete collection. They have one more omnibus to get through, and then they will probably publish the complete collections. I uh yeah, before this, like I, I like Damien. Like he uh Grant Morrison created Damien Wayne. Um, but this is the book that really solidified 
um, me just really liking Damien as a character because like he he has the best parts of both Bruce, Bruce and Talia uh, for better or worse, um, and that just makes a really compelling murderous little ten year old. And I'm like, oh right, he wasn't a seventeen year old back then. He was ten when this came out. I'm like, shit, man. Well, now he's thirteen. Now he's thirteen. Is he? Th- I thought he got aged up even more. No, he's thirteen. Jonathan was aged up to seventeen. Uh, okay, thirteen. Gotcha. Uh, that was the whole thing when the rebirth started. It's like, ooh, I'm 13. I'm going to join the Teen Titans. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nah, whatever. Uh, okay. We're done. Yeah, I really liked it. <laughs> I have a it's my book club next week. I don't know what it is, so we'll I'll post it when cool. I figure it out. Cool, cool, cool. Um, okay, guys. So next week we talked about this beforehand. Come away, right? Come away. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. right, Come Away, which is the Alice in Wonderland Peter Pan crossover film with, J- with Angelina Jolie and David Oyelowo. Did I say that right? Oyelowo. Sure. Um, and so we're going to talk about that next week because we saw the trailer. We didn't know it came out. It's on VOD. So uh, check it out if you want. We will be reviewing that on. We will, we will be back the weekend of, after Thanksgiving uh, next weekend. Ooh. And, and that's. Uh, we got some other stuff in the works, so stay tuned. Hey, Chris, the holidays are coming up, guys. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna throw out a lot of content at you, and then we're gonna take a break. Mm-hmm. Then we're gonna hibernate, take right. a long winter's nap. Thank you for watching this live stream. The fact that people stick with us and it is now well, my clock says two ten. That's not right. One ten. I haven't changed my clock. Um, even though it is one ten, we've been doing this for three hours, guys. Mag, I know it's just you right now. I love you. But thank you for watching this thing. But if you just watched the replay, or if you're watching anything on this channel, like this video, please. Subscribe to this channel, pretty please. Uh, if you subscribe to this channel, you get more shows, such as our Fake Nerds Watch series, which we are currently going through The Mandalorian, two episodes at a time. Look, what is it? Look at this ugly Damien. Yeah. It's <laughs> even more ugly, ugly with the X-Men in it. Kidding. Look at him. He's ugly. Um, okay, so we got the Mandalorian we're doing two episodes at a time. We got a bunch more Victor's Watch series. Check them out. Check out Swamp Thing. Check out Watchmen. Check out Lovecraft Country. Check that. I don't want to say all these every week. Um, then don't. Check out Watch. You don't have to. Game of Thrones is over, man. The playlist <laughs> is there. Um, we also have our Basement Arcade series. Check out all those. Let's name all the Basement Arcade series. We got Sonic the Hedgehog. We got no. <laughs> um. We got a lot of cool stuff in Basement Arcade, but we also have the Fichtner Book Club, which we had just finished, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Check that series out. Uh, it was really fun going through that. Uh, we also are going to do, probably sometime after after Thanksgiving, or we might just wait till next year. Who knows? Uh, Little Char and Friends? And the Gang. And the Gang. And the gang. Damn it! You were this close. <laughs> I'll get it of it. I'll get it by the time we record the episode. You will. You will. Next year. Um, so you can check out all that stuff. Also, guys, it's the holidays. Uh, if you're living in California, it sucks here during the holidays, just in general. But COVID has made it even worse. Um, if you if you are within the country, guys, COVID is still happening. It's sad but true. Uh, I had Karen today at work. Yeah, I went to Taco Bell, and some dude was trying to trying to get tacos without a car. That's not even COVID related. That's just being dumb. That's just being dumb. <laughs> um, Right, so but we sell fake nerd podcast masks. We 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 are we, we love these things. They're super they're super cool. Uh, we have a couple left. Christmas is coming. The perfect stocking stuffers. Your mom opens up a fake nerd podcast mask. She's like, "What the hell is this?" And you're like, "It's my favorite podcast." And now it's yours too. 
And now it's yours too. Exactly. So check out those links in the description below. Uh, we also have a Patreon account. If you want to support us on Patreon, it's only $5. You get a bunch of stuff early, if I remember. And you get a bunch of other stuff. Uh, we don't believe in uh, pay paywalls, but you know what? Support us anyway. We love you. It looks like you had a penis in your background. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> anyway, we also have a Tee Public. If you want to support us on Tee Public, Tee Public is a really cool place to find shirts and masks. Hey, your dad has a has a figure podcast mask in his stocking, and he goes, "What the hell is this?" And you're like, "Hey, it's my favorite podcast <laughs> from Tee Public." <laughs> now it's yours too. Well, just, uh, you think this? Really... You think this is real <laughs> funny? I do. <laughs> I'm wrong, but I do. Or or you could get a certain family member who's voted for a certain political person a don't be a dick t-shirt. Or a mask. Or don't be a dick mask. They look at the stocking of okay. I swear <laughs> we're like we're like just a few months away from Brandon being like fake nerd pot gummies. You get them, you laugh like me. Now you're talking. <laughs> Goes to look at her stocking and she sees pot coming. <laughs> she's like, What's this? And you're like, It's my favorite podcast. And she's like, Wow, it's not mine. I'm gonna go watch it. No, I, I feel like that oh, in me where like, I feel like I want to hit like the invest button. It's like, Invest, invest. <laughs> I'm just imagining now you're like, You reach into a stocking and you're like, This is my favorite podcast. Oh, no, no. You're like, What? Oh God! What the, the bag, bit. the bag, the bag has fake nerd podcast logo on one side, and the "Don't be a dick" on the other, and they're dick-shaped gummies. <laughs> no, it's Ben-shaped gummies. No, they're dick-shaped. All right, they're, they're dick both. They're both. <laughs> ben dicks. <laughs> it's a bag of Ben and dicks. Oh. Okay. Hey guys, thanks for stopping by the Fake Nerd Podcast. You can find us on FakeNerdPodcast.com and all social media is Fake Nerd Podcast on Instagram, Twitters, and Zunes, and MySpace, and Zanga. And if you want to email us, it's FakeNerdGuys at gmail.com. Also, all the links that Brandon has mentioned before on Patreon or Public and everything, they're in our website. You can find everything there. You can okay, find I'm me good. on... I'm are, back, are you I'm good back. now? Can you breathe? I'm back. Are you good? <laughs> Yes, all that was true. But also, thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches. Thank you to everyone who's been watching this live stream. We always appreciate it. Like this video, subscribe to this channel, please. Thank you to Jeremy Bellucci. I'm so out of breath from laughing so long. <laughs> thank you, Jeremy Bellucci, uh, for all of our musical themes and all of our cool stuff that we do with you. Um, you can find his. My eyes hurt. Oh, my God. Um, you can find him at Jeremy Bellucci Keyboards. And you can find his, his podcast, Suburban Proctologist, uh, at facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist Official or Instagram at Subproc Podcast, where you can find it on iTunes, of course, to subscribe. Thank you to Mike Matola. Mike Matola's Impossible Movie Trivia Challenge. Oh, The Little Mermaid is in the description below. It is our newest one. It was so much fun. We love doing it. You can find him at Mike Matola, where you can buy that print. The Little Mermaid print is super cool. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the podcast, Fickner guys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure, laughing my ass off on Instagram and Twitter. Ben? Apparently, I'm going to be turned into a gummy with a bunch of gummy dicks at uh, BenMaga27 on Instagram and Twitter. That's your trilogy, gummy dicks. <laughs> <laughs>
And also, if you like old school video I'll make their podcast memoirs. God damn it. <laughs> By nostalgia's bitch. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I think I think we broke Brandon. <laughs> so, okay, you know, we'll do old school, old school gamer. <laughs> I also write for oldschoolgamemagazine.com. My newest article about wanting more love for the Metroid series is up on the website right now. Link is in the description down below. If you're not watching the live stream for everyone else. Yeah. Ryan. Hey guys, you can find me uh, appreciating this piece of Swamp Thing art that will be arriving in my mail sometime soon because I bought this page from Christian Ward and I'm freaking excited for it. My first comic book page that I own and it's Swamp Thing. Couldn't be happier at DJ Tony Snark. There's my face. DJ Tony Snark <laughs> everywhere. Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> Sparks. You can find me leveling up to 30 at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z-Witty. Oh my god, it's your birthday this weekend. Yeah, you're good. Join, you're leveling up to 30 just like Brandon and I. Turn around. Go back. You don't want it. It's awful. <laughs> you don't want it. Brandon, we've been 30 for like, what, a week? Too long. All right. Subscribe to us. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music Podcast. Rate and review wherever you get us. Like this video, subscribe to this channel. Until next week, guys, stay fake nerds.